Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report Time. We're Jones, and we do so glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by Shannon Spake, Fox NFL and NASCAR host and reporter, as we'll go around the National Football League and also break down the NASCAR playoffs as well. Shannon joins us coming up in just a little while from right now. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group, as well as our Tom Fullery story of the week coming up at the end of today's show. Thomas Bridges joins me right now. Tom, so much to discuss since we last talked a week ago. And I'm wondering, like, where do we even start in all this? What a week in the National Football League. College football was entertaining once again. And now, this week ahead, coming up, you're about to head to Boise. We got the rematch of the game of the century between Oklahoma and Nebraska coming up on Saturday. I mean, it is a wonderful time here. And uh, there's going to be no shortage of things to discuss on today's show. That's for certain. It's going to be a, it's going to be a hell of a jam-packed weekend. Uh, you know, I get to go see Nolan for the first time and literally it's been 3 about right at 3 years. I guess tomorrow because today today is 3 years since we all went to Boise State at Oklahoma State and so the next day I took him to the airport. So it'll be 3 years to the day tomorrow that I get to see his little goofy ass. Um so Billy and I are both going. I'll be very interested to see if, if Billy gets to slap Nolan again this, this time. Um, I, I'm excited, Jones. I wish you were going. Uh, we're going to burn Boise to the ground, potentially. I like uh, it. On top of that, going to be watching all the other games. I sh- my flight leaves on Sunday. Nolan has a couple of friends that are Rams fans, so I'm going to be watching the game on the plane. Um, but – just missing out on NFL Sunday in Idaho. Oh, man. This sounds like a, a heck of a time that is ahead of you. And uh, between you – know, you got the Oklahoma State-Boise State game going on. Uh, Oklahoma and Nebraska coming up this weekend. And I feel like for that game, Tom, you know, yes, you and I grew up around OU and Nebraska, but not like what our parents and our grandparents did. Um, you know, in my lifetime, Oklahoma and Nebraska never played every year. And Nebraska took such a downfall after, uh, you know, Frank Solich was fired and such. that They haven't been an elite program in 20 plus years. And so, you know, for the players on the field, you know, they're younger than, than us. They don't know Nebraska being relevant and such here. I mean, um, th- this game – is a lot of nostalgia, but I don't think it really means that much in actuality for those that are on the field itself. This, this game is for our parents and for our grandparents. Right. I mean, we weren't really, I mean, I don't remember a time where it was, OU Nebraska, like super big, like it used to be, uh, you know, so, but I mean, it's still cool to revisit, uh, you know, it, it, I think OU is going to blow the doors off of them, but I, you know, for what it's worth, I, I wonder if it sparks any old rivalries them playing together. I mean, it's been, what, 11 years since they've played? Yeah. Has it been 11 years? Yeah. So, the last time these teams played, the people playing on this team were like seven, eight, nine years old. (laughs) You know, like, I don't even remember that. Right. Yeah. So It's been a minute. It's not going to be SEC. It just means more. It's going to be 
Big Ten, Big 12 slash SEC, it, it, it doesn't mean a whole lot. <laughs> right. And I'm not saying that those that are there won't enjoy it or have a good time. I mean, it means a lot to those that are there, but um, it, it's, it's not what it was, you know, several years ago. Um, but you look at that game and, uh, you know, here in Nebraska, one of the things that I get annoyed with all the time, Tom, is uh, I get people coming up to me since I've moved here and asking if I was going to be a Nebraska fan. And, you know, I've been here since January now. And I'm like, why would me living here be make me a Nebraska fan by any means? Like, just, just go ahead and turn in all my allegiances to Nebraska. Hell no. You know, I, I grew up, I'll say this, even though the Nebraska rivalry wasn't as big as it was, uh, you know, when my parents were growing up and such and what my, my, my dad saw with the games in the seventies and the eighties and such. Um, I, I still never liked Nebraska and especially the way that they uh, were the first to leave the big 12 and how that all went down and everything. I can, I'll never be a Nebraska fan as long as I'm here. My loyalties are to my home state, to Oklahoma and Oklahoma state and Tulsa and for my alma mater, the University of Kansas, but you will not see me uh, chanting "Go Big Red" on Saturday. That is uh, for certain. No big red for you. Absolutely not. Not even a little bit. No, no chance. What about? Would you go party in Lincoln after Nebraska pulls the upset this weekend? That might be tempting. You know, we make exceptions for parties. There's never a bad time to party. Right, exactly. I mean, I would, I would, I would have win or lose, win or lose, we booze. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's the only way we know how. Um, and win or lose this weekend in Boise, because technically Boise State is the favorite. We're still gonna booze, but I have a good feeling about that. So <laughs> that's what we live by: win, lose, we booze. We make it happen. That's the, that's that's the Oklahoma State credo. <laughs> so perfect. Uh, meanwhile, especially in November, <laughs> in the National Football League. Wow, what a first week! Um, th there was two things that seemed to, to take social media this week, uh, Tom. Uh, one of those was uh, Dak Prescott looks completely healthy, um, no concerns. He was, even though the Cowboys lost. Dak Prescott was the best player in the NFL this past week. I mean, he was just phenomenal. I loved what I saw from Dak. Uh, and even though they lost, and I'm not one for moral victories or anything like that, but for Dak to look that good at this point, coming back from injury, for the Cowboys to be without Zach Martin, we didn't give him a chance. Nobody gave him a chance. And they were phenomenal. I mean, if Dak's looking like that now – um, you know, I said the Cowboys would win the division. They'd be, you know, about a 10-win team, go about 10-7. and seven. Um, I feel pretty good about that pick now. I, I actually do. And, and maybe that's where I shouldn't get overconfident with the Cowboys, um, just, you know, based on their track record. Once things feel good, then others fall off the rails. But nonetheless, even with the loss, I really liked what I saw from Dak Prescott. The other was uh, the Manning broadcast on uh, on Monday Night Football. 
Peyton and Eli doing the ESPN2 broadcast. They had like close to a million viewers, and they were just sitting back, enjoying themselves and bringing in guests like Ray Lewis and, uh, you know, Russell Wilson and just having a good time. That was so much better than having to sit through the traditional broadcast. As long as they're doing that, I'm going to watch that every week. Those were my two favorite things, Tom, about the opening week of the NFL was how well Dak performed and seeing him step up off injury in the Manning broadcast. That was phenomenal. What did you like from this first week of the NFL? You know what? I'll, I'll give you two, but I'll preface that, preface it with um, saying that I didn't get to watch the Manning broadcast. I was a little disappointed. The stream – that I found, I believe Nance and somebody else is calling it. Um, Steve Levy. Yeah, which was, you know, was I think Lewis Riddick too. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, which, I think that's top tier. You know, if you're not going to get the Manning brothers, uh, that, that was, I thought it was solid. Um, I'll tell you what I really liked. And I think you can guess one of them. I'll give you the one that you probably couldn't guess first. Um, I liked, you know, I did like seeing Tom Brady being tested. That's that's the one. I guess you might have. I don't know. You probably wouldn't have guessed that one. Uh, but the face of him going into the final drive was the same Tom Brady face that we've come to love slash hate. Uh, love it if it's not against your team. Hate or yeah, and hate it if it is against your team. Uh, he had that look in his eye that I knew the Buccaneers were going to pull it out. Um, but, yeah, the Cowboys, I mean, yeah, at this point, being in that division, I, they Dak played phenomenal. I couldn't really believe how well he played. They'll be without Michael Gallup for a while, but Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb both had big days, so I think they'll be just fine. Uh, the other one that you could probably have guessed is uh, – Matt Stafford's debut in LA. Uh, he was phenomenal. Was um, you could tell he was having fun out there. Um, I, you know, I discredited my Rams and the pick them. I didn't think they were going to do what they were able to do, but uh, Rams look like a surefire Super Bowl contender, especially after Green Bay sh- the bed. Yeah. And with Matt Stafford, we had asked the question, you know, for the last couple of months, is Matt Stafford an elite quarterback or not? And he certainly answered the call. I mean, there was nothing that showed Matt Stafford wasn't ready for that stage. And, uh, you know, for the last couple of years, Tom, we've seen that this, uh, you know, this Rams team has been able to do a lot, but kind of held back of some sorts with uh, Jared Goff, that they can only go so far with Jared Goff. And when you see Matt Stafford, the way that he was able to just launch that ball and you know, find his receivers all over the field and have protection in the pocket and the way Cooper Cup played and such, I mean, it was, it was like, okay, now this is who the Rams can be. This is what the next step up is. That's what I took away from. We always wondered, okay, how much is Jared Goff holding this team back? Sunday, we got to see, okay, this is who they, they can really be. Yeah, I, you know, it granted against the Bears, and they did this very weird thing. I don't know if you get a chance to watch that game or not, Jones. Um, but Chicago did this very weird thing where they it seemed like they were just trying to please the fans, where they would 
run Justin Fields in for like one play and then take him back out uh, and, and put Andy Dalton back in. On one of those plays, Justin Fields ended up getting the touchdown. Um, so credit to him. But very weird. I, I don't know how long they're going to be able to hold that facade up of running Fields in for one or two plays and then taking him back out. I don't think that establishes any sort of rhythm with either of those quarterbacks. But, you know, you do it against the Rams um, at the SoFi Stadium opener with fans. And, and you you know, sure, at halftime you looked okay, but uh, their running game, you know, looked actually great. David Montgomery, I thought, had a solid day for the Bears. But other than that, uh, you know, if it wasn't the storyline on what the Bears are going to end up doing at quarterback, it, I think the main storyline goes unsaid that, the, hey, the Rams are here to play. And how about the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Patrick Mahomes was just phenomenal, and they were shorthanded. Tyra Matthew was out. Frank Clark was out. Willie Gay Jr. was out defensively. I mean, you had the JV squad essentially playing for the Chiefs, and it was one of those games that they were putting Daniel Sorensen out there because they actually needed Dan Sorensen not because of a bad coaching decision. He actually had to play. And the Chiefs defense was just terrible with as shorthanded as they were, and it got exposed pretty early on how much they missed Tyrod Matthew and what he brings to stopping the run as Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt both were just running all over that Chiefs defense, and they had no answer for it. And it opened up the passing game for Baker Mayfield. Baker in that first half, that was one of the best halves of football I've ever seen from Baker Mayfield. I agree with that. Baker was was terrific. And the one interception he had at the very end of the game was one of those situations where he was just trying to force something, and I don't fault him for that at all. Baker is not – He was trying to win the game. Right. Baker is not the reason why they lost on Sunday. Baker's uh, the reason they were in it. Well, right. I mean, and Chubb and Kareem Hunt, because they did have a hell of a field day. But Right. And, and they were still playing without Odell Beckham as well. Um, you know, Jarvis Landry looked good. Um, Baker, if, if you still don't think he's an elite quarterback at this point, you're wrong. Um, Baker, I, would, I don't know if I'd call him elite. I'm I'm ready to call him an elite quarterback. Mahomes is elite. Mahomes is uh, well, yeah, obviously. Uh, Mahomes is on his own. Aaron Rodgers is elite. I don't even know if I'd call Lamar Jackson elite. There's only a few. I think I think there's elite tier A and elite tier B, and I could put. I would say maybe Baker in elite tier B. I would put. I I don't think he's not in the same breath with Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes. I would put uh, Josh Allen, Baker, Matt Stafford kind of in that same maybe elite B tier of sorts. Right. I mean, he's still got to get his team. Cleveland's got to get and succeed in the playoffs before I'm ready to do that. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But nonetheless, Baker was good. He had a hell of a showing. I'm not going to take that away. That was – I agree with you right up – that. I'd like to see the stat line on on where that compares with his games, you know, thus far in the NFL, because that might have been his best showing. 
It was. He looked it, phenomenal. I'll agree with you. And I, you know, how much I don't like Vegas. And I, you know, I hate to say that. Right. And you, you looked at what Patrick Mahomes did. You know, there was a point in time, Tom, uh, even me as you know a Chiefs fan and such, that I did sit back and I'm like, okay, I'm a little concerned now. Um, in the fourth, you know, in the second half when they're down double digits and everything's going right for the Browns. And even when the Chiefs responded, the Browns respond. You're like, okay, this isn't going so well. And the run game wasn't quite there for Kansas City. They couldn't get that established. Um, But Tyreek Hill was phenomenal, close to 200 yards receiving. Patrick Mahomes found a way to get through that. Have you seen the meme? I have. The the pretty much he's down there somewhere. <laughs> yes, he is though. It's so true. Yes, he's 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 is he the best receiver in football? Tyreek Hill. Um, he and Devonte Adams are, are right up there. Maybe one A, one B. He's Tyreek is. I mean, I I guess Devonte Adams. They're they're. They two different play styles. Devonte is very methodical. Tyreek is like the Tasmanian Devil. You just never really know. But then well, he ends up, you know, he just shows up. He's just there. Right. He's well, a, he's a right place, right time guy. But he's never wrong. Well, and then on top of that too, you know, Tyreek was great. Travis Kelsey was really good. But that was it. I mean, McCole Hardman struggled. Demarcus Robinson couldn't get open. Byron Pringle was struggling. Um, you know, they, they had their names called upon and showed up when it mattered. That's what I love to see, that the, the big-time performers for the Chiefs stepped up in those opportune moments. And, you know, we even saw Blake Bell bring, in the, bring back the Belldozer package. You want to talk about nostalgia. That was something. I, I'm, I'm glad that Andy Reid is uh, using Blake Bell in short yardage and not throwing Patrick Mahomes out there getting him hurt again. I will <laughs> – they no, said that on the broadcast, they were making fun of it. Like, well, we're going to let you come in and take the hit. <laughs> That's what they ought to do going forward. We know Blake Bell could do that. So uh, I would be all in favor of doing a, a belldozer package in the future uh, there for Kansas City. But the Chiefs looked really good. Um, a couple more for you. Then we'll look ahead to week two in the league this week. Um, I would also add, as far as – you know, who looked really good. How about the New Orleans Saints? Um, Jameis Winston, five touchdowns, and he had the least amount of passing yards in NFL history for a five-touchdown performance, 148 yards, but he was 14 to 20 through the air. Aaron Rodgers throws two interceptions. He did not play good. The offensive line was terrible. Matt LaFleur had a horrible game plan for the Packers. Uh, The Saints were just more prepared for that game. I'll say this twofold. I liked what I saw from Jameis. I think he's going to have a good year. The Saints are going to be better probably than advertised what people thought they were, uh, especially with how good their defense played against Green Bay. On the flip side, I think the Packers are going to be fine. It's just one game, still week one. Uh, I think it's ludicrous, this idea that some people were talking about that, oh, is Aaron trying to play bad to get traded? You know, is he mailing it in, whatever? No, 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 no. That was not on Aaron whatsoever. Uh, you know, his, his coaches came in with a bad game plan. His offensive line struggled. That's not Aaron Rodgers' fault. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, they're going to go through some things, but they will be fine. It was, 
It was an off day for Green Bay, and it was a great day for New Orleans and, and Jameis Winston. That's what it comes down to. Maybe Aaron and Jameis switched uniforms or something. I don't know, but I'm not worried about Green Bay after one bad week one performance, Tom. You know, and they got Detroit this week. Um, and, you know, Detroit showed some fight against the 49ers this past weekend when they were down by so much. But uh should be a nice let's fix some errors and slow the shit down real quick game for Green Bay this weekend. It's not like they have to go face, uh, you know, a, a tougher team. Um, so good for them. Uh, you know, in terms of my fantasy, I, I play you this week, Jones. Um, so I need Aaron Rodgers to get back into form. Yeah, you do. Uh, that's, uh, that's for certain. Uh, also, as far as, uh, you know, winners and losers go of this week, the Cardinals, 38-13 to 13 win. Kyler Murray looks good, four touchdowns. The Titans, this was a team that was a popular pick to challenge the Chiefs in the AFC, and they just laid an egg. There was nothing spectacular about the Titans whatsoever. And, you know, they, they're a run-first team, only had 58 yards with Derrick Henry. The Cardinals' offense was terrific. That was one that had me scratching my head. And then how about that Monday night game, that Raiders-Ravens game? We mentioned the Manning broadcast and everything. This might be the game of the year, what we saw on Monday nights. It was one of the strangest games I've ever seen with the back and forth and overtime between these two teams. And, you know, it looks like the Raiders win, but then they review it, and he's down at the one-yard line. And, and then we see the interception thrown and such, the back and forth and – and we, we knew the Ravens were playing shorthanded and such, and it was going to be a challenge for them to, you know, try to uh, overcome those injuries and try to establish a running game. Uh, but the Raiders rose to the occasion. John Gruden came in with a great game plan. Derek Carr, he's been given a lot of crap uh, over the last several years, but Carr was good. Over 400 yards passing, two touchdowns. Uh, I'm not necessarily buying the Raiders, I do like what I saw from Darren Waller. Seemed like they were trying to throw to him every time. Um, but this uh, this game was just a lot of fun. Uh, I, I was It was one of those that you just had to sit back and enjoy and say, we're going to remember this one for the whole year. That was an unbelievable way to open up Allegiant Stadium with fans on Monday night, Tom. Oh, it was an incredible game. And, and uh, especially for Monday night football, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better Monday night football opener. Um, you know, Allegiant Stadium seemed to be rocking. I don't know if you had the sound on, but oh yeah, uh, it was it was something. Um, I, I couldn't believe how loud it was. I mean, even the screen was shaking. Uh, you know, Raiders fans are crazy. So, um, super interesting. Super excited to see what the rest of uh, the Raiders can do this year. Uh, should be an interesting division. I, I feel like top – is AFC West 4-0, I think. Yes, they are. Yeah. I mean, the Chargers aren't playing around. The Broncos look solid. Uh, and, obviously, the Raiders look one and, and then the Chiefs. So, AFC West is kind of mirroring the NFC West right now. Yeah. I think that's a, a very good point. And now we move ahead to this week. And before we look at this week's games – uh, one of the big headlines going into this weekend of the NFL now is Urban Meyer. Awful debut for him last week against the Houston Texans. And we know that this Houston Texans team is tanking on the season with not even playing Lamar Jackson and 
how all that stuff's going on. Trevor Lawrence didn't play great. He threw two interceptions in uh, that loss there against Houston. And there's reports out that, you know, he's not going along well with his teammates, you know, and such, or, or, or uh, that, that Urban Meyer's struggling to with the locker room of, you know, he's being too hard on his players, trying to coach it too much like college ball. And now you got these rumors about him and the USC job opening. That's another thing that we didn't mention off the top. Tom, you and I are always like pro firing coaches. That's been kind of a theme of this show the last couple of years. We didn't even get the chance to call for Clay Helton to be fired yet. And here he is already without a job, already fired. Uh, USC moved fast on that. Well, I say that they could have fired him a couple of years ago. But as far as this season goes, they moved quick and fired Clay Helton. Now you hear his name come up for USC. I don't think Urban Meyer is going to USC after just taking this Jags job. But it's long season. USC's got a lot of time to make this hire. Um, who knows? Uh, I, I'm not a fan of the Urban Meyer NFL experiments. Uh, we said that from the jump. But uh, I think USC, that's a little too soon for, for that job, uh, necessarily for Urban Meyer, as far as that goes. I don't see that happening yet anyway, Tom. Right, no, definitely not. I've I've heard, I've heard Mike Gundy to USC. I've heard Bob Stoops. I've heard Urban Meyer. You know, USC is a lot like, a lot like you or like the Texas of the West. It's like what I like to call USC. Maybe not here lately, but I think it's about to get that way where they just go and. You know, let's get a Charlie Strong. Well, that didn't work. Let's get Tom Herman. Well, that didn't work. Let's get Steve Sarkeesian and go get beat by 100 by Arkansas. Um, it, it's seeming to get that way pretty quick there. Right. And, you know, both schools have had Steve Sarkeesian now as well. So there is uh, that relation on that front. You mentioned Mike Gundy. Um, I don't see Mike Gundy getting interviewed for that job, but – I would love to see Mike Gundy in L.A. Could you imagine a reality show of Gundy in Los Angeles and at USC? I would pay to watch that. I mean, you probably have to put it on OAN, I would guess. It would, yeah, yeah, it would. That would be the worst thing in a long time. <laughs> I mean, it would be great entertainment value, but uh, oh my gosh, I, I I don't know if I could handle it. I don't know if Mike Gundy could handle it. <laughs> I don't, I don't even think if Mike Gunny was offered the job, even if he was fired, I don't think he would go. I, it, Cali's too liberal for Mike Gundy. <laughs> you might be right. Let's uh, look at week two in uh, the NFL this week. Uh, starts out Thursday night with the uh, Giants and Washington. Uh, both teams coming off a loss. Uh, looks like Ryan Fitzpatrick is out for a while. Tom, we get to see Taylor Heineke, former XFL quarterback. The limited time we've seen Heineke, he's looked actually all right. I'm glad that he's going to get a shot here for, for uh, the football team. Right, and they don't look bad. They have a Thursday night matchup this week um, against – the Giants, I think they'll be all right. I mean, I think the defense is, is will be fine, and I think that's going to be a good Thursday night game. Not for – not maybe not for a top-tier matchup. It's not a marquee matchup by any means, but I think it'll be a good showing by both teams. It'll be interesting to see how Hennigke can, can do it. How long do they see Fitzpatrick's out for? Like six, seven weeks? Something like that, yeah. 
Oh yeah, that'll be it's time for the experiment. Uh, then on Sunday, the Bengals take on the Bears, the Andy Dalton revenge game. Um, <laughs> the, the Bengals pulled off a nice win that uh, that went against the Vikings. Uh, Joe Burrow had that uh, game-winning drive where he led them to a field goal there in overtime to pull off that victory. The Bears coming off that loss. Um, Bears are going to be favored by two in this one. Tom, um, Andy Dalton's not going to be beating his old team. Uh, the Bears, their only hope is if they if they give – uh, Justin Fields, the majority of reps in this game. I, I don't see Andy Dalton beating that Bengals team. The Bengals are are much improved from what they were a year ago. Uh, yeah, they look pretty stout against uh, the Vikings. I think I think Cincinnati will end up pulling this off, and Burrow looked, you know, somewhat in form already. So, uh, you know, you have Jamar Chase had a, had a solid game. You know, I, I think Cincinnati, you know, they're not going to win – uh, their division necessarily anytime soon, I don't think. Not with Pittsburgh and the Browns and the Ravens being there, but um, give them a couple of years. Watch out. Bengals might be back. Maybe they'll hire back Marvin Lewis. The uh, Texans taking on the Browns. The Browns coming off that loss to uh, Kansas City. The Texans had a good week last week, but, Tom, I'd be surprised if the uh, the Browns don't – handle the uh, Texans here. I mean, the Texans, as good as they looked last week, you still have to factor in it was Jacksonville. Uh, the Browns, this would be a big fantasy day. Uh, if you want somebody to, to get your points, pick up Baker, pick up Chubb, Jarvis, like anyone from the Browns, Browns defense, whatever, get some Browns uh, this week on your fantasy team. Yeah, I think I have Jarvis, and I think I have um, the defense, so – I'm looking forward to that. I, I think that should be an easy day. The uh, Rams taking on the Colts. The Colts looked unimpressive last week against Seattle. Carson Wentz, not so hot. The Rams, we mentioned how well they played. They traveled on the road to Indianapolis here. Tom, as long as Carson Wentz is the quarterback for the Colts, they're going to have some issues. I like everyone on that Colts team except Carson Wentz, the quarterback there. Yeah, they might have some issues. You know, this would be Aaron Donald's first time playing the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, uh, and I, I think he's going to introduce himself quite well this weekend. Well, the Bills take on the Dolphins. Another one of the surprise losses last week was the Bills losing at home to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we know the Bills are a good team, especially after what they did last year and who all they brought back and such. I'm not reading into that loss too much. That was a weird game. The Steeler offense was shut out in the first half and then found some life in the second half. Bills are going to be just fine. I like them to bounce back here against the Dolphins. I have some concerns, Tom, about the Dolphins offense. Uh, you know, Tua, I feel like, limits them to an extent of what they can really do with that offense. Uh, the, there's like a leash on, on Tua of some sorts. Yeah, it does seem to be like there's a leash there. And, and, you know, maybe for a good reason. I, I'd like the Bills here, too. I think Miami definitely, though, could compete for a wild card spot this year. Um, I wouldn't be shocked. But it, it, there's a few kinks, it looks like, in Miami. So, um, I like the Bills to bounce back as well. Patriots and the Jets. The Patriots came up short last week against the, uh, the Dolphins. The Jets uh, came up short against Carolina. 
Uh, Tom, Mac Jones, not too bad last week. Same with uh, Zach Wilson. And, and now we get to see these two rookie quarterbacks square off. Uh, I'd give the edge to the Patriots here, but uh, I like what I've seen so far in the early stages from both these two rookies. Yeah, they didn't look half bad. You know, Zach Wilson struggled in that first half and, you know, tried to end up putting something together there at the end of that Panthers-Jets game. Didn't pan out for him, but uh, you know, I, I got a bet against the Jets this year, so I'll be rooting for the Patriots. I like them to pull this out, not only because I have a bet, but I think that just the overall team base for the Patriots is a little bit better. But, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Can Mac Jones continue? Can, you know, can Zach Wilson, you know, will his team forward a little bit? Uh, it's going to be a obviously a not one that I would just sit on the couch and watch for sure, but definitely one I'll keep an eye on. 49ers taking on the Eagles. Jalen Hurts was terrific last week. And you hear people like, you know, uh, Stephen Asshole Smith say that, you know, Jalen Hurts uh, needs to prove himself as a starter in the league, you know, which is just, you know, a bunch of BS. Um, the, the only thing he has to prove is, uh, you know, go out there and win football games for the Philadelphia Eagles. And he was great last week. Um, there for Philly. San Francisco coming off a win themselves. They were a popular pick to bounce back and, and have a big year. We saw Trey Lance a bit. They're playing like a two-quarterback package of sorts there in San Francisco. Both these teams, Tom, last week had really dynamic offenses. I would expect this to be a high-scoring game. Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, the, the Niners had a, a couple running back issues and most certain I think is done maybe for the season. Um, but um, they have the Elijah kid that looked pretty solid and, you know, it'd be interesting to see what kind of time Trey Lance gets. Uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, I thought didn't look terrible um, in, in his time. So, you know, 49ers can't, you know, all of the NFC West came pretty strong out of the gate. Um, I, I like that to continue for, for San Francisco. The Raiders and the Steelers, two teams that most did not expect to be 1-0 at this point. But nonetheless, they uh, pulled off uh, some nice wins against some good teams, the Ravens and the Bills there. Um, you know, for me, Tom, this is uh, a, a bit of a toss-up. I would lean towards Pittsburgh, but I think Pittsburgh needs to establish that run game more. Najee Harris was not that great last week, uh, even in the win against Buffalo. If if Big Ben is going to make it to the end of the season, if the Steelers are going to be any threat of some sorts, the running game has got to get going, and a good start would be against this bad Raiders defense. Yeah, I would. And, and you know, Pittsburgh, they they can rely on that defense. And, and the defense for Pittsburgh is obviously solid, but they're also very chaotic, and they cause a lot of chaos. Uh, I think they can do that to Derek Carr, and I, I think they'll be all right. But we'll see. You know, we'll see how long Big Ben can can hold up. That Raiders defensive front I didn't think was terrible, and, and Nassib and Crosby had a hell of a day. I thought against Lamar Jackson. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how long Big Ben can s stay upright. Yeah. Saints taking on the Panthers, that game in Carolina. Both teams coming off wins last week. Uh, Tom, Panthers, they took care of business. It wasn't pretty, but they did their job. The Saints were so good. I don't know if they can play like that two weeks in a row, but I feel better about New Orleans than I do Carolina going into this game. Uh, 
with looking like a complete football team. I don't think that was what we expected to be talking about, about the New Orleans Saints at this point, but the way Jameis was mistake-free and making some big plays, throwing the football down the field with the you know good run game they have with Alvin Kamara and that good defense, the Saints uh, are probably better than what we gave them credit for a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I, I think that they're going to be fine with Carolina here. Yeah, I think so, too. And it'll be interesting to see how long, you know, James can string those games together. If he can get two weeks in a row, I'll be super impressed. You know, the first one, you know, show us that it's not a fluke. But um, I, I think he's I think he's out to prove something. Doesn't Jameis almost feel like a rookie quarterback, Tom? Like, you know, here he is, this new start in New Orleans. He's not being paid a whole lot. We know he's got talent, what he did in college. This kind of feels like a restart to a rookie season of sorts again for Jameis with this new life he has in New Orleans. Yeah, I think so. Um, and, and I think he probably enjoys that. I kind of enjoy it for him. Um, you know, I'd like to see Jameis do really well and, you know, you know, lead the Saints or keep the Saints there, um, you know, in the discussion. And, you know, so far he's doing that. You know, Sean Payton's got to be smiling. He has to. Broncos and Jags. Teddy Bridgewater looked pretty good last week. We mentioned the Jags' struggles there. Um, I like uh, Denver to uh, win this game, Tom, and I, I think Teddy's going to continue to play well. I think that's a, a sneaky good storyline is the type of year Teddy Bridgewater can have in Denver. Uh, I think that you're talking about a guy that – uh, could be the difference in a few wins uh, for Denver uh, compared to what they had last year, Drew Locke. I like that upgrade of Teddy there. Oh, 100%. I, they do lose Jerry Judy for a couple of weeks. I think they'll be fine. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, I thought, looked great. Um, you know, I think he might be out. Have, you know, I think he might have something to prove out there too. So um, I think Denver's just going to be just fine. The uh, Vikings taking on the Cardinals. Vikings lose a close one last week against Cincinnati. Arizona coming off that big win against Tennessee. And you look at it both sides of the ball, it looks like Arizona is a much better team than Minnesota. And what where I see the difference here is the explosiveness. The Vikings have a couple weapons in, in Cook and Jefferson, but the Cardinals have an array of weapons here. Um, I like the explosiveness of Arizona here compared to uh, Minnesota at this point. Oh, I mean, yeah, for sure. Arizona looked, came out of the gate super strong and really impressed me and kind of made me worried as a Rams fan. But Minnesota, I think, you know, if they get blown out like Tennessee did, there's going to be some questions um, for the Vikings for sure. Yeah. Uh, how about the uh, Falcons taking on the Buccaneers? Uh, the Bucs get a couple extra days rest after playing on Thursday night football. Now squaring off with uh, Atlanta. Atlanta looks so piss poor a week ago. This one just might get ugly. Tom Brady and company might have a field day with the Falcons on Sunday, Tom. Yeah, I think they will. I really think they will. Atlanta looked like shit. Um, <laughs> I mean, they look, they look bad. This might be the end for Matt Ryan. I mean, Okay, that's a little soon, but, you know, it, it did not look well uh, for them. You know, without Julio Jones, that means Calvin Ridley's getting all the attention on offense. Uh, Kyle Pitts, still obviously young, can be, you know, expected, I don't think, to just carry the load Travis Kelsey style right off the bat. But 
Um, yeah, it did not look good for Atlanta. I, if you said Cleveland, if you have any Cleveland players or defense, play them. If you have anybody from Tampa, play them. Right. Yeah, including Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown, the number three receiver on this team, looked like a number one receiver, the old Antonio Brown last week. So watch out for what he can do there for the uh, Bucks in this game against the Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan's going to do Matt Ryan things, and it's going to be a long day for the uh, Atlanta Falcons there. Cowboys taking on the Chargers, that game in Los Angeles, the first game for the Chargers with fans at SoFi Stadium. And if I were to guess, Tom, this is probably going to be a Cowboys home game there in L.A. I like the quarterback matchup, Herbert and uh, Dak, but uh, – Man, this is a, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, I really could see this going either way. Yeah, this is going to be a good test for both teams, kind of an eye test to see where they're really at. Um, that's how I see this game. If, if the Chargers can pull it off, watch out. If Dallas pulls it out like I think they probably should, then, you know, Dallas, we're talking about a, a surefire, you know, NFC East winner. Yeah. Titans take it on the Seahawks. Tom, it's a week-to-week league. I'm not going to uh, overreact to the Titans laying an egg last week against the Cardinals. I know that you know, Seattle's got one of the best home environments in the league. I think that we're in for a good one with the Titans and the Seahawks. I don't, I don't expect the Titans to play like that two weeks in a row. The Seahawks looked great last week. I think this is a very competitive game between these two. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Seattle's run defense kind of holds up. Um, if, if, you know, Derrick Henry can get going, they didn't really get Derrick Henry going against the Cardinals at all because Chandler Jones was living in the backfield all day for the Cardinals. Um, so if, if, you know, if Tennessee can get the ground game going with Henry, uh, watch out. This is going to be, I think this is going to be one of the top tier matchups, uh, this week. Chiefs and the Ravens on Sunday night football. And for the Chiefs, I think that there's a lot of things that look like they're going the Chiefs' way. The Ravens play on a short week, playing on Monday night, and you lose in overtime, a game that goes all the way to the wire. We know about the Ravens' injuries, in particular their running game. The Chiefs are going to get Tyron Matthew back, and we know how much of a difference he makes in stopping the run and such. Um there's a lot, I feel like, that goes the Chiefs' direction in this game. Not only do I think the Chiefs are the better team than Baltimore on paper anyway, and the fact that Patrick Mahomes has never lost to Lamar Jackson in the Ravens, all of that aside, just directionally heading into this week, what the Ravens went through, that's tiresome. That's emotionally draining when you put all that in only to come up with a loss. And what we also saw from that game was that the Raiders handed the Chiefs the recipe on going after the Ravens. How many times did they go to Darren Waller? I think he had 18 targets in that game. About every other throw was to Darren Waller. You better believe Travis Kelsey, who I think is better than Darren Waller by – quite a bit. And that's no knock on Darren Waller. I like Darren Waller. He's an elite tight end in this league. But with all that being said, I think Travis Kelsey is going to have a big day. I don't think the Chiefs are going to have any problems stopping the run with getting Tyron Matthew back. All of this 
is uh, looking like it's going to add up good for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think you're talking about a sound win for the Chiefs. Remember, they blew out Baltimore at Baltimore last year on Monday Night Football. I think the Chiefs could win this game by 10 points or more. I don't think that's a stretch, Tom. It'll be interesting to see <clears throat> what type of resiliency this Baltimore Ravens team has. You know, you mentioned they've already been through a lot with injuries, going through that loss in Vegas. You know, they're beat up. Um, what kind of resiliency is the Baltimore Ravens going to have? Especially playing the Chiefs, it's not like they get an easy, you know, opponent after getting beat. In the way, you know, maybe the Green Bay Packers, like I mentioned, have. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if the Chiefs beat him by two touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you there. Last one, Monday Night Football. Lions and the Packers. Lions had a nice run there in the fourth quarter to make it a close game with, uh, with San Francisco, but ultimately couldn't pull it off. We mentioned the Packers, how much they laid an egg there against New Orleans. And I got to say – History tells us that there's not a better situation for a bounce-back game for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers than to be coming at home to take on the Detroit Lions, a franchise that Aaron has just owned his entire time there. And I believe this is the only Monday night home game this year the Packers have. This could be the last time we ever see Aaron Rodgers play at Lambeau on Monday night football um, I think the, the, the Packers are going to bounce back. They're going to make a statement. Um, there's going to be a message that's sent this week after that debacle that they had. I think the Packers are going to be just fine, and I think they're going to win big on Monday night there against uh, Detroit. Uh, I almost feel sorry for Detroit because I'm not sure if they know what's coming to them on Monday night, Tom. You know, and I feel sorry for Jared Goff. Oh, you know, Jared Goff watched the match. Because uh, the Rams just kind of laid him out there like a piece of trash. But you know what? Sometimes you call a spade a spade. Uh, you know, what can you do? Um, but, yeah, he's he's about to get shit on again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm, I'm just being honest. Just the way that came off was just uh, so eloquently said, Tom. Uh, thank you. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Still more to come here on the Jones Report. Coming up next, Shannon Spake, Fox NFL NASCAR host and reporter to join us. Also, Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. We're going to talk some Big 12 football later on as well. And we'll have our Tom Fulbery story of the week. All that and more. Stick around. Shannon Speck joins us next during the Jones Report. <laughs> joining us now during the Jones Report this week is Fox NFL and NASCAR hosted reporter Shannon Speck, who's back with us. Shannon, appreciate the time. Uh, a busy time of year, I imagine, for you balancing out the NASCAR playoffs and the start of the NFL season. 
Yeah, it's uh, but it's a good busy, right? I, I'm, I mean, I'm covering NASCAR and I'm covering NFL and, you know, at the, at the highest level. And, and it's been great to have fans back on both fronts, especially uh, with the NFL. I got to work a game in New York this past weekend and uh, Philly this weekend where really, I mean, you talk about fan bases in, in the National Football League and uh, it, it doesn't get much better than, than those two. So it's been um, it's been great to be back and some really intriguing storylines heading into this season for sure. Well, and, and tell me about that, just the experience. You're in New York. It's the anniversary of 9-11, 20 years. That had to be a, a pinch-yourself type moment, I imagine, being in, in that place, uh, of all places to be, this past week. Yeah, so I actually lived in, in New York during 9-11. So I was oh. there for 9-11, and uh, it was um, – yeah, you know, it's it was a time in my life where I was I was 25 years old. I was working for the news. Uh, I recently kind of posted a, a, a sort of a this was my experience and things that I remember from that day, which is everything. And so certainly being there at, at any time, any kind of anniversary uh, for that event and, and to be able to kind of reflect on those days and, and the somberness and and what we lost was a big was a big deal. It's, it's interesting. I actually was able to uh, I was in Pearl Harbor for the 75th anniversary of the tax at Pearl Harbor for a basketball game out there. And then I was, of course, in New York this past week. So uh, my work has has certainly allowed me the, the opportunity to be at some pretty credible places at pretty incredible times. And the spectacle around it, uh, the, the ceremonies and everything that went with that. What was the, the feeling like being at MetLife uh, on that day uh, when, when everything was going on? Yeah, so Saturday we went out to, we stay in, we stay in New Jersey for, for the games and, and that's where we stay. So we didn't venture into the city. However, where we stay is pretty close to um, the World Trade Center and, and, and World Trade One and, uh, and where the events took place. So you could see, um, you know, you could see the the lights at night shining, the two lights shining to, to sort of commemorate where those two buildings stood. And um, you could feel it for sure. And, and the players felt it, the players that we spoke with, whether it was Saquon or um, Logan Ryan or, or the coaches, even, um, you know, Pat Shermer, who was coming back as, you know, the offensive coordinator now for the Denver, Denver Broncos. Obviously, he was in New York for many years and, and, and had a lot of uh, connections and context to that day. So it was something that we talked about a lot. We really tried on Sunday. Um, I feel like Sunday was um, sort of a moment that we could all uh, be together. And, and finally, after after so many uh, you know months and months and months of not being together, it was a time that we could be together. And you felt it throughout the area, for sure. That's awesome. Uh, I know that you got to watch uh, some of week one in the NFL. What an exciting first week. What kind of stood out to you of the, uh, the the games this past week as we got the season started here. Well, Tampa Bay looks really good. <laughs> I think uh, it's funny because when we when we were prepping for the season, we get our our stat notes and all of our notes, and they you know one of the things that they show is people that they've acquired and people that left. And you look at Tampa, and it's like no one's left. <laughs> <laughs> they come back, you know, and 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 they're fully fully ready to go again, and they look great. Uh, I think uh, I think Jameis Winston was a nice surprise for the New Orleans Saints, not really knowing, obviously being part of that quarterback competition throughout the uh, training 
training camp and then not really knowing what was going to happen uh, post Drew Brees. And I think that that was a nice surprise. We'll see if that can con- that consistency can continue. Uh, I, you know, I obviously I covered the uh, the the New York and the Denver game. Von Miller back from injury. He had two sacks and and really kind of looked like Von Miller of old Teddy Bridgewater. You know, on paper that Denver team is is really loaded offensively and defensively, and uh, and and they could be really really good if the synergy and, and obviously if people stay healthy. I was actually surprised. I have 49ers this weekend, and I was surprised to see how many points they gave up in that game against the Lions because this is this is a defense that we talk so much about as being you know even even last year when they had all those injuries they were still one of the best in the league. So I was I was really surprised to see that many points put up. Saquon's back. Uh, I got to stand right there. I I, I really enjoy uh, ha- and have enjoyed covering his career from college because I covered him in college at Penn State to now and and I I was I covered a bunch of his games when he had that high ankle sprain and was never 100% and you could tell he was playing through the pain and playing thinking about the ankle and so to see him come back after you know a year um, and he looks great and he, and he, and he, when we talk to him, he sounds great and he sounds like he's in a really good place. So hopefully Saquon can be Saquon and we can see what he can do this year. Yeah, hopefully so. That's a great point. And uh, you mentioned you got this San Francisco Philly game coming up this weekend, Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts looked phenomenal last yeah. week and the defense came alive. A lot of people were writing off Philly before the season even began there. What a story that is for uh, the Eagles and their new head coach. Uh, they had the debut they had last week. Yeah, I really like Sirianni. Like, I've been reading a lot of his stuff and, like, you know, obviously prepping for this game. And I just think I, I can't wait to sit down in a room with him and just feel his, like, energy because he, he definitely brings it. And uh, you're right. Um, you know, no one really knew what was going to happen there. You know, we, you know, we've obviously covered the back and forth with Jalen and Carson Wentz uh, for, for, you know, all last year. And uh, it's, it's a tough market to be in. It's a tough market to not perform in. And so I think the pressure definitely was on Jalen. I thought, um, I thought that they did a really great job on the broadcast this past weekend, you know, identifying parts of Jalen's game that looked really, really good, particularly uh, that two minute drive to end the first half for him to be able to operate with that, with that blitz each and every, each and every play with him to be able to use his legs, use his weapons and, and get it into the end zone and score, despite the fact that they had, a huge penalty that that brought him back and had to have them redo that scoring uh, play. I, I think he handled the pressure really, really well. I I, I really enjoyed watching Jalen last year, the way he interacted with his offensive guys. A lot of times, veteran quarterbacks and a lot of quarterbacks will walk off the field after an offensive drive. They'll sit down on the bench by themselves or with a quarterback coach or with the backup and kind of digest what just happened. A lot of times, I would see Jalen over with um, with his guys. Guys, uh, you know, hanging out with his guys, not not hanging out like having a good time, but talking to them, and and you could sense that um, that that he was part of that energy and part of that group. And I just thought it was a really interesting uh, viewpoint that I had to be able to watch the way he interacted with those guys. So I know that they really love him on that offense, and it seems like everyone's moving in the right direction. Yeah, and in that San Francisco game, we did get to see some of Trey Lance. Do you think that? 
We'll see more of him this week. Uh, that was a fascinating package uh, that we, we got to see bits and pieces of last week. I think we're going to see Trey Lance all season long. And I think, uh, you know, Shanahan has never, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, he's, he's stood by that, right? It's, it's, uh, it's both of those guys. We're going to see Trey come in from time to time. How much we see him, I think all depends on Jimmy. <laughs> um, how Jimmy's playing. Uh, if Jimmy stays healthy, I think it is all, all indicated or, or, or it, it all kind of pivots from what happens with uh, Garoppolo. Yeah, that's a very good point. And uh, Trey Lance, part of those five rookie quarterbacks picked in the first round. Uh, what, what do you make of these rookie quarterbacks and what they did in week one? Who do you, who do you like uh, of that group, Shannon? Well, I get to see Mac Jones next week, so I'll start prepping for him, and we get to see him next week, um, the New Orleans Saints at New England. So I, I'm, I'm anxious to see, um, you know, his debut. Uh, I, I think that Jacksonville is interesting because when you look at Trevor and Urban Meyer, those guys, I think there was a stat where Trevor Lawrence hasn't lost a regular season game since he was like, I don't know, three. Um <laughs> If, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously exaggerating a little bit, but it was it was really young. It's been a long time since he's lost a game. And certainly for Urban Meyer, the same could be said about about him mm -hmm. in terms of the last time he lost a regular season game. There's going to be some bumps and bruises there for sure. And uh, the way that they kind of respond to that and move forward. Uh, but I am interested in seeing Mac Jones. I think the you know, obviously, Bill Belichick is uh, is Bill Belichick. And um, I uh, I can't wait to see what they can accomplish this season. Oh yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. No, no question about that. And and uh, I mean, you're from Charlotte, so you saw Cam Newton a lot over the years. Just the fact that he was able to beat out Cam, and then Cam ultimately get caught. I mean, I don't know how things are going to work for Mac Jones, but that to me sent such a statement to, to win that job when no one expected that to happen. We all assumed that Cam was at least going to start the first few games. Anyway. Yeah, it's it's the it's the interesting case of Cam Newton, right? You just you know, he's he's got all I mean, obviously the physical tools and the experience in the league and and all of those things and you just there there's just uh, there's something that, that they see that, that we don't necessarily see, uh, which is why he's, he's not, you know, playing right now. So I, I think he will land somewhere. I think there's, you know, I mean, Hey, listen, the first couple of weeks, you get through the first couple of weeks, everyone's on sort of standby right now. And to see how the, see how teams kind of come out week one, week two, week three, who's impressive, who's not, who gets injured. And, um, and those guys are all ready to go if they have to be. Oh, yeah. We're talking to Shannon Spake of the NFL on Fox, NASCAR on Fox as well, uh, here on the Jones Report this week. And uh, a lot of intrigue in this area, Shannon, of course, about the kids, City Chiefs coming off back-to-back -back Super Bowl appearances, come from behind win against the Browns. Uh, what do you think of uh, Patrick Mahomes and this uh, Chiefs team uh, as they head into a week two into 2021? Uh, a lot of high hopes once again. Yeah, well, it's it's um, you know it's Patrick and it's and it's that team and and again he's he's got all the tools and he is the guy that that we're all watching to sort of be the next the next long term Hall of Famer guy that has year after year success in the playoffs, making it to Super Bowls, multiple Super Bowls. Uh, but time will tell because it's a tough division and I think that there are a lot of players right now that have elevated their game. There's a lot of teams who have all of the tools 
tools on paper to make it happen. I just mentioned Denver, one of those teams, I just think, and, and Arizona as well, it just so good and, and looks so good. So um, yes, yeah, Seattle and what, what, what Russell did this past weekend um, was incredible as well. And, and so I think, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. I think it's uh, right now it's Tampa Bay and everybody else and who kind of emerges as that number two. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and Tampa in that game there against you know they took on Dallas last week and I mean one of those games Shannon you just had to sit back and enjoy. I loved seeing what what Dak did healthy and Tom at that level. I mean between that and then the way we ended with Monday night, what a start to week one it was. Yeah crazy it's I'm so happy it's back it was so awesome to see fans in the stands like you you almost forget like you almost take for granted you know the the energy that uh that that's in the stadium and the energy that you get just down on the field it was it was great I, I anticipate that most if not all stadiums that I travel to this this season will be full uh it was this past weekend in New York I know that it will be in Philadelphia uh this Sunday yeah, and uh, and for you guys on the sidelines, you're actually back on the sidelines again this year, right? Not uh, not in the stands. That had to be a, a a weird adjustment last year with the extended microphones and all that stuff going on. Yeah, it was, but yeah, I've said all along that we did it. We got, we did the entire season, you know, I mean, and, and who would have thought at the beginning of the year that that would have actually taken place. I mean, when we took our 10 week break and uh, didn't know how we were going to navigate this new world. And um, I, I'm like, you know what? I, I don't care how many times I get tested. I don't care how many, you know, questionnaires I have to fill out. Uh, I don't care if I have to stand in the front row. I don't, I don't care if I have to do it from the bathroom of, of these stadiums. Um, it, it was hard. I'll tell you the hardest part about it though, was sometimes doing those uh, coaches interviews at the half because we would be obviously in the stands. And so we would have to shout down to them as they were running into the tunnel. And one week, I, I want to say maybe it was in Miami, maybe, or maybe Pittsburgh uh, at halftime going into the halftime. Um, I had to interview a coach on one side. And at the end of half, I had to interview the coach on the total opposite Ooh. side. So I had to run up the concourse, like up the stairs through the concourse all the way around and then back down. And, and I believe that there were some fans at, at that, at that game. And so you're, you're sort of running through the concourse as fans are like getting hot dogs and, and beers. And, and, you know, you've got your microphone and you've got your, your security guard following you and, and you're just hoping that you make it down there and uh, hoping that you're, you know, you, you have a little bit of like powder in your back pocket that you could put on your face before you have to, you know, do this report on television. So there were certainly some challenging times, but it was, it was a, it was a moment in time that I think, I mean, obviously none of us will forget. And, um, and it was, uh, you know, it's, it's memories that, that I can tell the grandkids. Oh, that's terrific. That's terrific, Shannon. Uh, before we move on, talk NASCAR. Uh, what were what some of the games you have coming up? You mentioned you're headed to uh, the Philadelphia San Francisco game this week. Yeah. What's the uh, next few weeks look like for you? Yeah, well, we don't really get all of our games, so I've got a couple of them. And obviously, I know next week after this, I'll go to New England. I've never been to New England to do okay. this game. Uh, obviously, we we do a lot of we do most a NFC on um, on Fox. So the one AFC game at an AFC stadium, and, and I've never been uh, to New England to do a game. I've never covered a Bill Belichick. I've never sat with him in a meeting. So I'm excited. I'm really excited to kind of venture and do something new. I, I you know, as as some people may know, I run stadium stairs at almost all of the facilities that I go to. I think I've done like 39 different stadiums, and so this will be a new one that I can check off as well because I haven't run at uh you know at this stadium so yep i'm excited very cool that's awesome to see let's uh, talk racing now uh the nascar playoffs elimination race this weekend shannon uh 
it looks like there's going to be some good drivers that aren't going to make that top 12. I'm so intrigued because this points battle is so close for that top 12 spot. Yeah, it will be. I mean, anything can happen at Bristol and often does. Uh, and so I'm not, I think that there could still be shakeups, but I know Hendrick Motorsports has taken a real hit with, you know, obviously those, those four drivers and the success that they've had all season. But I do think with Alex Bowman and even William Byron, it has been sort of hit and miss. Um, obviously Chase has been doing chase things and, um, and Kyle has been just incredible all season long. I think Denny is peaking at the right time, um, but I do think it'll be interesting to see who's part of that bottom four. If Kurt can stay on the right side of the playoff bubble and, and if one of those um Hendrick guys can can sort of make the move into the top 12. Do you think that the the Gibbs guys you mentioned how well Denny's running we know Martin won last week is Gibbs kind of catching up with Hendrick at this point or is Hendrick still above those guys right now? I think they're peaking at the right time. If that's, uh, I think that they've been, and even Denny said during his media uh, days before the the playoffs began, he said we're right there. It's just, it's just one little thing, and I and I think that they now now. It could be because we've been at, you know, where once we get to the mile and a half and once we get, I mean, super speedway, that round two can change everything because we have Talladega and the Roval, which are huge wild cards. Right. And so it can change everything in, in round two. And so, um, you know, it, the guy who has tons of momentum, uh, a.k.a. Ryan, Ryan Blaney, who had arguably the most momentum coming into the playoffs, it can just get um, it can get changed quickly with a with a bad finish there. And so I, I do I mean, that's why we race 10 races in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. That's why I got like Kevin Harvick, who had so much success last season, didn't make it to the championship four because you just don't know what can happen from week to week because momentum can change so quickly. But I think that that Joe Gibbs is peaking at the right time and they are certainly making a case for them to be, uh, I mean, at least at least one, at least one, maybe two and, and possibly more if those Hendrick guys continue to free fall. And this weekend, Bristol, the uh, last great Coliseum. I know you've been to this race before and such. Uh, what a spectacle this is. And, yeah. I mean, we, we should be expecting another great race, I imagine, this weekend uh, as uh, this one doesn't disappoint. Who's some of the guys you're watching for? Well, Kyle, I think I always watch for Kyle Bush when we go to Bristol. I just think that uh, that he's so incredibly good. I think both the Kyles, you know, there's no reason to think that Larson isn't going to be doing what Kyle Larson's been doing all season. So I think that those guys, I, I would be interested to see um, how the Joey, how the Penske guys, I know Brad has a lot with his move next season and, and Joey, but Ryan, I just, I, I'd like to see those guys show a little bit more, um, as we move forward, but I definitely think it's going to be, you know, the, the, the regular guys that you're used to seeing up there, but Kyle Bush is so good at Bristol. And I think that he could, uh, wouldn't that be in, in, incredible if like we saw Joe Gibbs racing one, two, three wins in the first round of the playoffs. Oh, that would be something else. Uh, Bristol, you mentioned you, you like to run these stadiums and such. Have you tried Bristol? That, that'd be a lot of steps. I did. I ran, I didn't run all of Bristol, but I did it for, I would say about 30, 45 minutes. I, I did do, I did run Bristol. I ran Daytona as well. Again, not the entire, you know, not the entire uh, uh, Daytona, but I, I got up there and ran some, ran some stairs. Uh, so I think I've done maybe two or three of the tracks. It's a little harder at the racetracks because sure. there's so much activity. Uh, and, and usually you're, you're busy. You don't have a lot of downtime when you're, um, when you're covering NASCAR, you're, you're in meetings or you're doing this or you're doing that. And, and obviously 
excuse me, I don't travel to the tracks anymore. Uh, so that's been, um, that's been changed, but, uh, the, the, the stadiums are still something I, I try to do. I had already run MetLife. I've already run, uh, the link a couple of times. Um, so I'm definitely, I've got, um, I've got new England on my, on my radar. That's awesome. Uh, the, the next few playoff races ahead, uh, you mentioned, you know, Talladega, Charlotte Roval, uh, yep. A lot of X factors, it seems, really could shake up these standings before we finally get to that final four. No question. I mean, like I said, I I, I, I cited what happened with Kevin last year. You know, Kevin goes out there and he wins nine races in 2020 and he doesn't make the championship four. And it's because he had a bad round and wasn't able to uh, capitalize. And so, yes, anything can happen. And it often does at a place like Talladega. Uh, Denny's really good at, at the super speedways. Obviously, he's won it at at Daytona so many times, but Talladega is a different animal. You know, Brad Keselowski, I think, uh, was it six Talladega wins now? I think he has, which is incredible. And so why can't Brad go and win there and then find himself, uh, you know, moving on to the round of eight, which, uh, which obviously takes a spot. So Talladega can change things. Ryan Blaney's really good at Talladega as well. It's, he's been right up there at the end of those super speedway races. Um, and, uh, so is Joey. So it maybe, maybe that's the day of the Penske guys that they get there that they get sort of, and, and Ryan, by the way, Ryan's really good at the Roval. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be crazy, especially because of the next round. I think the next round is, yeah, I think there's gonna be some sleepless nights for drivers and crew chiefs. Yeah. Who do you think ultimately ends up in that final four when it's all said and done there in Phoenix, Shannon? That's hard. I think it would be a disappointment if Kyle and Denny don't because of the seasons that they've had. Mm -hmm. um, but then again, it's nothing's guaranteed. So if I had to make a pick for the final four, I would say, I would say um, Kyle, I would say Denny, I would say Chase. And then it's tough, right? Do you go Kyle uh, Bush or, or Martin Truex Jr.? I think that I think most people would have those three in their final four. And then that fourth one would be sort of a wild card. Yeah, certainly. Uh, there'd be a lot of fun on uh, what's about to unfold here over the next few weeks. A couple more things before, before we let you go, Shannon. Uh, the NASCAR schedule out for 2022, going to uh, St. Louis, got the clash in L.A. at the Coliseum. What excites you about this uh, new schedule this year? That right there, the clash of the Coliseum. I, I, I mean, it's it's going to open us up to. Uh, you talk about when we went to when we had the football game at Bristol, you know, and and you have these college football fans who have maybe never seen this racetrack that now have their eyes on this racetrack and say, oh, I was there. When I think the same thing is going to be said about this. You've got the LA market, which we've tried so, which NASCAR has tried for so long to sort of um, penetrate and 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 have the, that West Coast. Uh, fan base. And this is going to do that. And it will so in a different way too, because of the, the college football fan. So I think it's incredible. I love what NASCAR has done over the last couple of years, whether it be, whether they were sort of pushed in that direction because of the pandemic to do different things, whether it be, um, you know, no practice, no qualifying, changing up tracks, putting dirt on Bristol, going to Coda this year. I feel like there's been a, <clears throat> a lot of really fun changes and has really kind of opened things up and made it excited, even for, you know, even for me, who's been doing this for almost 20 years, when the schedule used to come out, you would look at it and you'd be like, all right, I'm, I'm going to be, I know I was there this last year at this time. I was there the year before that at that time. And now there are so many different and moving parts. I think it's going to be great. Well, even when you look at just dates shifting around, I mean, uh, you know, having Homestead back in the playoff or some of these other things, I love, even if there's not a whole lot of new tracks per se, that uh, just the date switching around, just keep it keep it fresh of some sorts. 
Yeah, absolutely. Same thing. And, and we're racing on Easter. So when people are sitting around, um, you know, having their Easter Sunday, you've got NASCAR on. And, and I think it's it's those moments where we can kind of be like on in, in living rooms of people who maybe wouldn't be watching the race. I do think it opens it up to a new fan base. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Should be great to see in uh, 2022. And uh, one of the things that uh, you do, Shannon, uh, you love doing these uh, Ironman events. Tell me about what you got going on on that front uh, what's what's your next race and and uh, how's that been going and you've been doing this a few years now right yeah I started doing tries in 2014 so I was supposed to do Kona this year October 9th I was supposed to do Kona the, the world championships for the Ironman and um and it's been postponed unfortunately because of COVID uh so I will regroup and hopefully do it next year uh, so the Chicago Marathon is that same weekend I already had that weekend off from the NFL because of because of Kona. So I'm going to go and run the Chicago marathon on October 10th. It'll be the first time that I run at Chicago. It'll be my fourth marathon. And, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's going to be great. So, you know, I'm in kind of taper pseudo taper right now. Um, kids just started school a couple of weeks ago and, uh, we're just, you know, it's, uh, it's a busy time of the year and, um, and I'm loving it. Man, that's uh, that's terrific. Uh, the, the, from triathlons to marathons. I mean, that's insane. How do you have time for all these things, Shannon? I was up at 4.30 this morning. So that's how I have time for it. And my husband was like, what are you doing getting up so early? And I was like, I got to run eight miles. I, 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 if I don't get it in now, I'm going to be chasing it all day. And by five o'clock, I would prefer to have a glass of wine rather than getting on a treadmill. So, uh, or, or going outside for a run. So I've got to wake up really early to get stuff done if I want to get it done. That's uh, that's terrific. And uh, the Ironman stuff, uh, I was talking to Timothy O'Donnell a couple of weeks ago. What a terrific foundation, not just a, a great sports league, but all the things Ironman Foundation is doing. And you continue to raise money, uh, a part of that as well. Yeah, I do. I, I didn't raise as much this year. I think I raised close to $3,000 this year. A couple of years ago, I raised 30. Um, but I, you know, during the pandemic, obviously everyone is uh, spread pretty thin in terms of uh, donations. So I did what I could. My, my, my uh, auction that I do every year was a little bit more scaled down than, than in past seasons. Uh, but uh, Timothy O'Donnell and I, we actually, uh, we were out in Santa Rosa. We were doing a race out there a couple of years ago, building some homes for the folks who lost their homes in the wildfire out there. Uh, he and his wife, Rennie, and uh, my kids were there. And oh, that's um, so cool. yeah, so it's, um, it's a cool, I mean, the foundation is it's changed me and it's changed my life and it's changed my purpose for doing some of these races to be part of something that's so much bigger than myself. And, um, and I, and I, oh my goodness, I'm so appreciative for the perspective that being part of that foundation has, has given to me. That is uh, terrific, Shannon. Uh, awesome stuff there. Uh, before we let you go, where can uh, people follow you and, uh, of course, uh, catch not only just you on the NFL sidelines, but Race Hub as well. Uh, you guys are doing some awesome coverage here these next few weeks as the playoff goes about here. Thanks. Yeah, Race Hub. I'm right now. I'm on Race Hub Tuesdays and Wednesday nights. Those are the nights that I host, and then obviously on the sideline for NFL on uh, Fox on Sundays. So this week it's a one o'clock game on Fox, and um, yeah, just uh, just turning and burning until the end of the year. <laughs> That's terrific. Shannon, appreciate the time as always. Best of luck this weekend. And we'll be talking down the line. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Big thanks to Shannon Spake for joining us here on the Jones Report. Make sure to give her a follow on Twitter at Shannon Spake. We're uh, certainly appreciative for her for joining us. I first met her when I was in college 
at a uh, Kansas basketball game. So great to reconnect uh, here on the Jonesport this week. Coach Bo joins us right now for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can check out O'Connor Advisory Group online. OAGKS.com is the website. O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com as well. You can reach out to Bo by phone, 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Also on Facebook, and you can email Bo at brian.oconnor at lpl.com. That's brian.oconnor at lpl.com. Brian with a Y. You can find him there. Bo joins us right now. Bo, how are we doing? Man, we are busier than a I, I don't even want to say it, it. It's busy week, not just work-wise, but personal-wise and everything else. Lots of irons in the fire, but, you know, we're almost there. It's almost the end of the day, Friday. And when we get to there, I'll be feeling good. I love it. And the Coach Bo Knows podcast, I got to tell you, I loved the discussion you had with my guy Elwood off this past week. Yeah. Elwood is so genuine, so inspiring. I listened to that whole thing, and, Bo, I was ready to run through a brick wall. Can't wait to see what you have lined up for Friday. Yeah, so Friday is going to be a lot more reverent. Um, So, hey, we had Elwood on. Uh, If you guys don't know the story, Elwood lost his uh, oldest son a few years ago to suicide. And since then, Elwood and his younger son, Jordan, have been working with groups uh, across the country, really, uh, with suicide prevention for teenagers. It's outstanding work. Elwood works with the Boys and Girls Club and specializes in working with Native American groups. Elwood's Native American. And he is just a fantastic story. He's someone that I met, gosh, about 10 years ago. Um, His son and my son were friends. They played sports together. Um, I coached them in basketball, football, Elwood coached them in basketball. And then we got together and coached them in baseball once. I mean, it was just things like that. And we've had a blast and we've become great friends. He's got a fantastic story and I've never met a more selfless human being. And he does a good, great job of talking about it. And he's so humble. Uh, He thought he was braggadocious. And I was like, no, that's pretty humble. And then we want, it was good timing with uh, a lot of the suicide prevention stuff happening uh, here in September. We wanted to get that information out. And we, we talk a lot about that at the end as well. So just want to make people aware of what's going on and how we can help people. So, yeah, I was, it, it, that's what Monday's pod's supposed to be. That's the good look at what we're supposed to be doing and, and helping each other. While on Friday, we're just going to ass off and have a good time. And we're going to be doing that on this Friday's podcast for sure. And I'm looking forward to when we get to this show of me, Elwood, and you just, uh, just you know, shooting it all off and such. That's going to be a lot of fun when we get I to that. I think we've got to do that on my pod. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Unleash. That I'm needs to be a Friday. That needs to be recorded live in Lawrence at, a, at an establishment. That can be done. We'll make it happen sooner than later. Well, uh, let's start out with our picks this week. Yeah. Uh, looking back at last week, first off, not bad for the both of us. You went uh, six and four. I went seven and three. Yeah. And so now you and I are tied in the standings at 10 and 10 apiece. And uh, that puts us uh, tied atop the leaderboard with TJ. And then Thomas is kind of slagging behind at seven and 13. So are we caught up with TJ in a week. We did. <laughs> I mean, it only took us a week to catch up with TJ. This is going to be like last year. We're going to let him have a little bit of a lead. We're going to catch him, pass him, and then. Put him in the rear view for the rest of the season. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. 
right. <laughs> we'll get to Thomas's picks uh, later on, but let's start out with uh, you and I's uh, the five college games and five NFL games that we will be picking this week on the college side. It starts with number one Alabama taking on number one, number eleven Florida. Bama favored fifteen and a half. Number twenty-two Auburn taking on number ten Penn State. The Nittany Lions favored at home by six and a half. Number 19, Arizona State, taking on number 23, BYU. Arizona State favored by two and a half. Nebraska taking on number three, Oklahoma and Norman. The Sooners a 22-point favorite. And Oklahoma State taking on Boise State. The Broncos a four-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Meanwhile, in the National Football League, the Chiefs take on the Ravens on Sunday Night Football. The Chiefs are a two-point favorite on the road. Bills and Dolphins, Buffalo favored by three-and-a-half. Titans and Seahawks in Seattle. Seattle favored by six. New Orleans and Carolina. New Orleans favored by three. And the Cowboys and the Chargers. Chargers favored by three at home. So those are the lineup for this week. Let's go ahead and get started with college football first. Bo, 15 and a half for Alabama. Last year, if you recall, in the SEC title game, they were favored by 14, and they did not cover against Florida the last time they faced. Do they cover this time around? Oh, yeah, they cover. Yeah, um, Bama is just going to roll. I would like to amend my preseason picks, and uh, I'll just take Bama to win the national title, the AFC South. I mean, just – I, yeah, I, they're going to roll Florida this week. Florida man is going to have to be Florida man. It's going to be bad. Uh, yeah. I uh, haven't seen anything from Florida – to think that they're that great of a football team, to be honest. Yeah, uh, me either. Besides how good Alabama is, we already know that. Nothing jumps off the page to me, Bo, that says Florida is that great of a team. I'm picking this game, Alabama, to cover easily just as much because of Florida not proving anything at this point. That's what I am. I mean, I just, I'm taking this steer on Bama. I'm not even worried about Florida. Um, I, I mean, I don't think that Florida's much of, I mean, Florida's Florida, they're a good team. I mean, they're up there like ranked 11 right now, I think. I mean, just outside the top 10, but Bama's on a whole other level that we haven't seen. I mean, they're just going to continue what they've been doing for the last two seasons. And I don't see how this game is close. Number 22, Auburn on the road at number 10, Penn State. The Nittany Lions favored at six and a half. Bo, you've been high on James Franklin. His name is uh, being rumored for the USC job. How do you feel about Penn State at home favored by, by less than a touchdown? I normally would always take the SEC team, but I like Penn State here. I, I do. I like Penn State at home. It's going to be a tough game. Um, I like James Franklin, and I think Auburn is still trying to figure out who they are. I mean, new coach, new situation. They're going to be, be Auburn's going to be a better team at the end of the season, they are today. But Penn State's already a good team. Um, I, I think Penn State's better than, better than 10 in the nation right now. Uh, they were one of those sneaky good teams that we thought were out there. And I think they're a top 10 team, probably a, maybe a top five or six team, actually. And so I'll take Penn State here, especially at Penn home. Penn State made quite the statement opening week against Wisconsin. Um, yeah. But with that being said – I don't think that they're a touchdown better than Auburn. I'm going to go with Auburn to cover this one. I still think that Penn State wins, but I think it's less than that margin of six and a half. They could win by five. They could win by four um, and win confidently, but 
still not cover six and a half. I'll take Auburn in the points. Um, and, and we've seen, worth noting too, the last two weeks, the underdogs are doing really good. The underdogs are uh, outpacing the uh, favorites from what we've seen through two weeks to this point by a pretty considerable margin. Uh, Nebraska taking on Oklahoma, the Sooners favored by 22, a rematch of the 1971 game of the century as they'll be honoring uh, those involved in that game. Uh, you know, 50 years later, a big day for both fan bases. The first time that Oklahoma and Nebraska have played each other in 11 years, but these programs, Bo, have just gone two completely different directions. Oklahoma, year in and year out, one of the top four teams in the country. Nebraska, just a dumpster fire. This is going to be a long day in Norman. Uh, Bo, I, I got to go with Oklahoma to cover here at that 22-point uh, margin. I know that's a big line, but for me, this is just as much about Nebraska and the screw-ups that they make as a team and all the turnovers that they uh, uh, end up causing, the self-inflicted wounds, as it is about Oklahoma in this case. Give me the Sooners to cover. Yeah, so I'm, I'm of two minds in this game. Now, one, Oklahoma's going to win the game. I mean, I, I have zero doubts about that. I was wondering how much of the OU Tulane game was OU not paying attention in the second half and just letting Tulane get back in. Um, I wonder if OU learned from that. I watched Nebraska week one versus Illinois, and Nebraska's front four is really good. Uh, the rest of that team is pretty bad. If I was going to take Nebraska, it would sure, surely be on the idea that OU decides at the end to just play the backups or just play slower like they did against Tulane, and Nebraska scores a couple times to get back in. I've been kind of thinking of it that way. I'm going to go with you here. I think Oklahoma is going to put a whooping on them, and I think they're going to say, hey, let's not let what happened against Tulane happen again. And so I think that's why I'm going to go with you here. Okay. Um how about uh, Arizona State BYU? Almost skipped over that uh, top twenty-five matchup uh, here between the uh, Sun Devils and uh, BYU. Bo uh, Herm Edwards has done probably better than what people expected there at Arizona yeah. State. BYU uh, playing some really good football after that win against Utah. Nice season last year. This is a, this is a sneaky good matchup here. This is the sneaky good matchup. The next two games are picking with the two hardest games of the week for me. Um, I am going to go with my man Herm Edwards here and lay two and a half. I, I, it's hard to pick against BYU at home. You know, you have that home field advantage. I like taking underdogs normally, but um, I'm finding myself taking a whole lot of favorites this week. And I think a lot of it is I really like what Herm Edwards is doing in, in Arizona State. That's a good fit for him. Uh, I got to go BYU here. I'm riding the momentum of uh, BYU. Um, I like what they've been doing, and and that's not a knock on Arizona State, but yeah. to me, this is more about BYU here. And, you know, the, the Hall kid, the quarterback they got, I mean, he uh, he goes along a nice line of quarterbacks BYU's had. They got a decent offense there. I'll go with BYU to uh, cover and win outright. It's a two-and-a-half-point underdog. Last yeah, one. Maybe you go either way on. Oklahoma State, Boise State, the Cowboys not looking too hot through two games. Boise State lost a close one to UCF the opening week, bounced back and won last week. Boise State favored at four and a half. 
First time a Big 12 team has ever played at Boise State. Going to be under the lights on the Smurf turf. Ball, what are you thinking with Boise State favored in four and a half? I like Oklahoma State here. I like the points, four and a half. That covers you for a field goal. I like Oklahoma State here. I, I, this is not Chris Peterson's Boise State team. No. This, we're, we're far away from that. And we know we've been far removed from that now. They're not the team we thought they were, that they were a few years ago, um, to where they have a, almost be a favorite against one of these teams, like a Big 12 team. I, I like Oklahoma State here. I think they can win it outright. I'm not sure they can't. They will, but four and a half is too many on a close game for me. So I'll take Oklahoma State. Okay. All right. Um, you know what? I'll go with Oklahoma State here myself. Four and a half, uh, too many points. But I think Oklahoma State wins outright, though, Bo. I think that you yeah, look at – I think they can. I think that you look at the last two weeks, there's got to be a wake-up call of some sorts. Mike Gundy's got to be yelling at these guys' faces and saying, look – we cannot play this way all year long and expect to make any noise whatsoever. I imagine this week of practice was hell for these guys uh, there in Stillwater. I think they respond because they have to respond if they're going to do anything this year. I expect Oklahoma State to win there. Let's move on to the NFL. Chiefs and Ravens. Patrick Mahomes has never lost to the Baltimore Ravens. Last year, they won pretty decisively on the road in Baltimore. Ravens lost a heartbreaker on Monday night. They're the home team, two-and-a-half-point dog. Bo, how are we feeling? Um, I like the Chiefs here. I think this is a low number, too. Um, I think the Ravens, have got they, they've been so injury-plagued already. they got injuries on the defensive side. They've got all the running back issues. I mean, they did everything they could to get back in that game. I On Monday night, I mean, that was a fantastic game. I know we'll talk about it in a minute. But uh, I just think the Chiefs are going to be too much for the Ravens. So I like the Chiefs here. Uh, I like the Chiefs. You get Tyron Matthew back. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to take care of business. They've had no problems with the Ravens as of late. Um, Ravens have too many issues. And I I think that you're going to see this Ravens team, Bo, be emotionally drained from what they went through Monday. Um, That's a lot on a team to go back home and deal with for a a home opener. I think the Chiefs are going to be fine. It's two and a half point favorites. Uh, Bills and Dolphins, the Bills favored by three and a half on the road in Miami. Bo, um, I would be shocked if both these teams are in the postseason. This is a good AFC East matchup here. Yeah. One of these two teams is winning the division. And I – Buffalo did not play well last week. No, they lost. And I think that the Dolphins, we talked about it for a year now. We think the Dolphins have got one of the best rosters uh, in the league. The question mark is the quarterbacks, as a quarterback. Um, but I like the Dolphins. I like the Dolphins to win this game outright. Uh, Josh Allen didn't play great last week. I don't think he's going to play as well this week. I think it's going to be something playing in the heat in Miami. Uh, you know, teams aren't quite – you know, uh, when these starters aren't playing in the preseason, they're not getting a lot of reps. Now you're going to take this Buffalo team that's been training in upstate New York, clear down to Miami. Team for team, I mean, I like I like the Dolphins team better than the Bills team. I do like the Bills quarterback better. But, man, I really like the Dolphins, and I think the Dolphins are a good team. I, I'm taking the Dolphins. I'll take the points. I like the Dolphins to win this outright. That's my upset this week. Okay. Bo, uh, the way I look at it, it's a week-to-week league. I think the 
Bills are going to respond after that performance last week. That was a weird game with Pittsburgh, too. I mean, yeah. I think that they yeah, – I watched a lot of that game. I think they respond. Sean McDermott's a heck of a coach. Um, you know, they got too many good weapons with, with Diggs and Josh Allen and company. I think Buffalo finds a way to bounce back that four and a half that, point margin. I think will the three and a half point margin will be fine. I, I got Buffalo covering there. I think the other thing to consider, we've mentioned this, both these teams are playoff teams. This is two teams in the upper echelon. Yes. Yes. Um, Titans and Seahawks, the Seahawks favorite is a six point, uh, by six at home. Titans coming off a really bad performance against Arizona. Bo, these are two really good teams. The Seahawks looked great last week. The Titans looked awful. Now, what do you make of Seattle at home here? Okay, Seattle's hard to beat at home. They're hard to beat at home. And if you're going to beat them, you have to beat them. You cannot just go in there and inch out a win. The Titans played so poorly last week. The Titans are my AFC pick. That's who I picked to win the AFC this year. And they didn't look anything like it this past week. Having said that, I like the Titans to go in there and make a game of this. I think six is way too many. I think it's a three, two, three kind of point game, a field goal kind of game. It's like a late field goal or, you know, the Seahawks are down three or four. Russell Wilson gets them a late touchdown to win the game kind of thing. I think both teams come out looking better, um, but I think that the home field advantage is too much here. I'll take the Titans plus six, but I like the Seahawks to win the game. I don't feel good about a pick either way here, Bo. Um, and with that being said, I'll give the edge to the home team. I'll go with Seattle, and I think the Titans are going to be fine. I'm not worried about what they did in week one, but – considering where Seattle is at right now, how well they played as opposed to Tennessee last week. Remember, these teams are going to be different. We're going to learn a lot later on, and these are going to be different teams in four or five weeks from now. But at this moment, Seattle is a much better football team than Tennessee. That could change later, but right now I'm riding with Seattle. Give me the uh, Hawks to cover as a a six-point favorite at home. A lot of disagreement with Bo and I this week. That's good. Uh, Saints and Panthers, Saints favored by three on the road. Bo, Jameis, man, that was fun. Oh, Jameis. <laughs> hey, look, if you don't know already, that's my squad. I'm, I'm riding with them. Um, I watched every moment of that game. I've never seen a quarterback with five touchdowns in like 200 yards. Uh, he was Not even that, like 150. 150, yeah, it was under 200. It was, he was fantastic, though. Uh, every decision was a good decision. I'll tell you what was more impressive, though, the Saints' defense. The Saints' defense is fast. They came out last week and played in a nickel the entire game, and their linebacking court, they played two linebackers, and they got Demario Davis and um, Quan Alexander. Looks like he's 100% out there, and they're just flying around. Give me the Saints. I will lay this three. Thank you, sir. Have a nice day. The Panthers are not going to beat the Saints this week. (laughs) Oh, man. Last one. Cowboys and Chargers. Bo, I've gone back and forth on this one. Chargers favored by three. It's probably actually going to be a home game for the Cowboys, believe it or not. They're in L.A. Um, 
What do you think of this one? Uh, two really good young quarterbacks in Dak and Justin Herbert, too. Yeah, so Dak earned my uh, – not just my uh, inspiration here. I mean, I'll just – last week he was fantastic. That team is trash around him. <laughs> Those two receivers, Cooper and um, Lamb, Lamb. Are, are, are great. Ezekiel Elliott's a 12-year-old kid. So wanting to tell Ezekiel that he's a man and a professional and start acting like one. Um, he's the biggest problem they've got right now. Their no, defense, uh, can't stop a, defense can't stop a nosebleed. Right. And DeMarcus and uh, Lawrence is out. DeMarcus Lawrence is out for six to eight weeks. They do I, get uh, they do get Zach Martin back, but Michael Gallup's out for a while. Yeah. I, I'm taking the Chargers. I'm taking the Chargers. I'll lay the three. I – I think really highly of Dak, um, but he alone is going to put those two receivers is going to have to keep them in shootouts, and they can't get in a shootout every week. Um, don't overestimate what happened week one and think, oh, wow, it was because they showed up, scored a load of points against the Bucks, and he went gun for gun with Tom Brady for a game. Doesn't mean they're going to do that every week. He's going to have ridiculous numbers. But they're going to lose a lot of games, just like they did last year when he did that. The best thing that the Cowboys can do is run the football. They won't commit to running the football. They're going to lose the game every time they do. Dak's good, but no quarterback can just throw 58 times every week and expect to win. And that was just ridiculous. Um, having said that, if they do that to Dak, he's going to earn every damn dollar of his contract because he's going to be carrying that team like Santa Claus carrying the presents up the chimney. Down the chimney. Oh, man, Bo. Give me the Chargers. I, I I could go either way with this one and I think feel pretty good. But when you look at it on paper, the Chargers are just a better team. I mean, they uh, they have you know a better defense, better offensive line. Uh, I think that the Chargers win this one. I think the Cowboys can hang there. I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means. I think Chargers win probably by five or six and uh, and cover this one. I don't think picking the Cowboys is a bad pick here. I don't fault anybody that does take Dallas here, but I, I got to go with the Chargers in this game. I would take them if it was four. Yeah. Getting that field goal. This feels like a game where, like gambling-wise, where this is either a push or the Chargers win. Yeah. I don't like the Cowboys to, to be with within one or two here. Yeah. So there you have. I was going to say, this, if, there's, if, there's a, if there's a push this week, it's this game. So there's our picks for this week. And we'll hear more from Thomas Bridges, get his picks coming up in uh, just a little while as well. Let's go ahead and uh, start out in the National Football League this week. Week one, Bo, amazing from start to finish in yes. the NFL. What were your takeaways from week one of the National Football League? Okay, so I just went on a rant about how the Cowboys have got to do something to help Dak. Um, my takeaway is, one, Dak Prescott's for real. They've just got to get him some damn help. You just can't throw the ball 58 times. Um, that was number one thing I looked at and just went, wow, that's that is that was still with me on, on Sunday watching games. Um, you know, I was watching that, and then – on Sunday, I also I, I watched the Chiefs game, and I always was watching the Chiefs game, and I felt like, when are the Browns going to screw this up? 
and I don't mean that not like they like they're going to do something poorly, but it's that thing of they kept scoring and the Chiefs kept getting points. The field goals, they snip you for a field goal, they get you for a touchdown. So it's now twenty-two to ten at the half. You're thinking, okay, well, you know what's going to happen? Then the Browns will score another point, and the Chiefs are all the way back in the game. They just get that little extra, and Mahomes makes that one little play. Um, whether that's with Hill or with Kelsey, he had the big, he had the touchdown with Kelsey, you know, late in the game. Uh, Tyreek Hill has the seventy-five year yard deal where. He's going to have two or three of those a year where it's just a breakdown in coverage. And the only guy who can throw the ball that far is Mahomes. Josh Allen probably can too. But I mean, that's it. I mean, that's about the only two guys who can get it out there that far. They're so good. But I, if I was a Chiefs fan, which I'm not, if I was a Chiefs fan, I'd be worried about your defense. But if you're playing the Chiefs and you score a bunch of points, you're still in the, the – they're, they're still in the game. Now, let no me counter that, though. Them. No one's going to beat team them. going to be a lot better defensively when they get the Honey Badger, yes. Frank Clark, and Willie Gay Jr. back? Well, Every team's going to be struggle defensively that, if they're without three damn stars. Yeah, I have said that Tyron Matthews the most important player of the Chiefs, not named Patrick Mahomes. And he showed it this week. I mean, because he, he can help you in the run game. He helps you in the pass game. They should go ahead and pay him. Um, the thing I'm, I'm trying to give the Chiefs props here is what I'm trying to do is say, hey, no matter how many points you score, you're not going to outscore them. Right. You're going to have to stop them. The team that beats the Chiefs is the team that stops the Chiefs, like the Bucks did. That's what it's going to take. So this is why, like, and we talked about this in preseason a little bit. I said, yeah, you know, people like the Browns, people like the Bills. Man, I think the two teams to look out for for the Chiefs in the playoffs are the Titans and the, and, the, and the Dolphins because they're the teams with defenses. They're the teams that are going to try to – they're not going to try to outscore you. They're going to try to stop you and then see what happens. So, I mean, that's what I like. I, 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 I got that impression – and then Monday night's game was one of the best games I've ever seen. Yeah. I it, That was fun. It was fun to watch that game. It was fun to watch Gruden just be Gruden and to realize that he is so past his prime now. And I'm a big John Gruden guy, but, man, he, he screwed that up as many ways as he possibly could. How any team lets Derek Carby, their quarterback, still I don't understand. And somehow they won that game. I've never seen the ending of a game go the way that that did. A 55-yard field goal ties the game. You go to overtime. Then your receiver falls down, basically, going into the end zone. He's down at the half-yard line. You can't punch it in on the first play. You throw a pass. It's tipped and intercepted. So you got all the – I mean, the people were on the field – Game was over. Then it's like, oh, no, we're a half yard short. Then you turn the, turn the ball over. And then inexplicably, somehow Lamar Jackson didn't protect the ball. They fumble. And then the, Raven, or the Raiders about blew it again with the whole kicker situation and the penalty. It, it's like nobody wanted to win the game, 
Right. Or it's like the Ravens were like, well, the Raiders, their first real home game. Let's let them win. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that game. That game was fun. It was fun because it was like it should have had yakety sex going on in the background at times. Yes. Especially in overtime. Yes. Uh, that's a great point. And the Manning broadcasts, I could not get enough of. Bo, I have no desire to watch the main telecast as long as the Mannings okay. on TV on ESPN2. That was awesome. I, I watched it. And at first, I was like, okay, this is going to be Peyton talking the whole time. You know, it was hey, a little corny at first with the helmet and the headset. He was yes. very corny at first with the headset. And then Eli gave him some shit about having a big head, which is hilarious. And then they brought on Charles Barkley. And it's like, okay. But where it got good was when they had uh, Kelsey and then Russell Wilson in the second half. And they, they broke down some of the stuff. Here's what I'll say with that broadcast. I'll watch that broadcast most of the time, too. I wouldn't want to watch that broadcast if it was my team playing. If I'm a Chiefs fan and the Chiefs are on Monday night, I wouldn't want to watch the Manning broadcast. I'd want to watch the straight broadcast because you get caught up in all the side stuff. Mm -hmm. And somehow that Manning broadcast, they're letting football nerds like me, you know, have some fun and somehow also reaching out to like your girlfriend or your wife or whoever it is that knows that a touchdown is six points and a field goal is three points. It doesn't know much more than that. Right. Well, and, and I think you can learn from that. So I think it's a really good way of doing things. But I feel the same way, Bo, when the college football playoffs are around. If my team's in it, I want to listen to Fowler and Herbstreit. I don't want to watch yeah. the coach's film room, even yes. though the film room is phenomenal, but I want my focus on the game itself completely. Yeah, I agree. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And that's where I think they got this idea from, was those film room sessions. It's like, okay, and they're phenomenal. I love those. They are. And, and with the Mannings have personality, what I did notice is that Peyton's obviously the leader. I mean, he's the one that's more outgoing of the two. Um, you know, Eli's going to be a little more laid back. And, but when he jumps in with his analysis, Eli's spot on. Yes. And then Russell Wilson made himself a shitload of money. When he uh, when he, he was basically calling out plays in the in the fourth quarter there, um, I thought that was phenomenal. He's gonna be he's gonna be on TV when he retires, and he'll be he'll be very popular. Man, I was sure hoping they were gonna make a joke about when they were down at the one yard line of what play they should call. Oh, that, that would have been good. I think I think they didn't have time, and then I think what happened was just inexplicably just craziest thing i thought it was funny that peyton manning said that sierra had his super bowl ring at the uh met gala mm -hmm. did you see that you know because yes. that was the ring that russell beat him for yeah so looking at week two in the nfl bowl yeah who do you think is going to have a bounce back week of those that struggled and were off the mark i think the easy idea is okay green bay they're playing the lions they're at home and such but who comes to mind to you that's going to have a nice bounce back after a struggle in week one? Well, that's the obvious one. Monday night is Green Bay. Um, I mean, the Titans are going to play a good game in Seattle. I do. They may not win, but they're going to play a good game. Um, I want to see <laughs> I, 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 this is going to sound kind of crazy. I want to see the Vikings and the, and the, and the Cardinals. I, I want to know if the Vikings are any good. 
Mm-hmm. And it didn't play great last week. I still think Kirk Cousins is still in money. But we're going to know if the Cardinals are legit, if they just blow the Vikings out of the water. Mm-hmm. And I think they might. And then the, the game I think is the game of the week is Bill's Dolphins. I mean, that's the game that I'm looking forward to that. I, I want to know if, what the Bears are going to do. Are the Bears going to let Andy, uh, going to sit Andy Dalton at some point? Is it going to be Justin Fields? You know, they're going to go with Andy Dalton this week. I think next week they play, they play the Rams next week. They play some of the good defense next week. So I think they're, yes, waiting. they do play the Rams. I think they're waiting for that game to get through to play those, to get those, and then put Justin Fields out there. But um, they play the Browns next week. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mixed it up. Yeah. Maybe it was week. Yeah. But I, I think that that's a big thing. I want to see when the Bears are going to change quarterbacks. And then uh, th- those are the kind of the stories I'm looking at for this week. I think the big thing is I want to see the Bills-Dolphins game. If I was going to say which game is my appointment game, that's the one. Um, last one on the NFL, and this is a good crossover to get into our college discussion here in just a second as well. Uh, Urban Meyer says there's no chance he would leave the Jags for the USC job. Bo, are you buying that? No. Nope. <laughs> Look, I wouldn't buy a used car from Urban Meyer. <laughs> I don't believe anything he says. I don't think he's long for this NFL world. And I think the moment he can get a good college job, he's taking it. Now, having said that, I think the college job Urban Meyer's going to get is going to be another day. Yeah. I think, I think that marriage is about to start splitting up. After uh... – after Brian Kelly kills his entire team, he kills his entire. He executes his whole team. But I like Brian <laughs> Kelly as a coach, and I think he's. I've said I think he's the best coach Notre Dame football's ever had. But I think that I think he's an Brian Kelly's the one college coach I think could coach in the NFL. Yeah, he's the one guy that could be successful, and I just think Urban Meyer is going to wait, and then when a job comes open, I don't think Urban Meyer is going to pull a. Um, uh, what's his name? Bobby Petrino. Bobby Petrino, that's the one I was thinking about. He's not going to pull Bobby Petrino and leave notes in the players' lockers and, and leave in the middle in of the, the middle of the season. Yeah, but uh, for less money too. Yeah, well, I think he was going to get killed. He would have been like the guy in Animal House, killed by his own men in combat. You know. So with Clay Helton getting fired, Bo, this was a long time coming. Clay Helton yeah. has been a, such a subpar coach. And, you know, USC fans have been longing for him to get fired. I think we were surprised that he was fired after just two games, but yeah. the firing of Clay Helton at USC was the inevitable. I think that the, the, the deal with Clay Helton was it was the playoffs or bust. I, I got some friends who are USC guys, and I've talked to a couple of them already because they were calling for it week one. There were people calling for it in the offseason. And – it was if he better make the playoff because if he doesn't, if he don't win the conference and get in the playoff, he's done. And yeah. I, they're going to get a good coach. You know, I hear Eric Bieniemy being tossed around. Man, that that's a good fit there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a guy that players will want to play for. It's L.A. If, if Eric Bieniemy can go, go there and he can recruit, that's going to be a good program. Well, in, in beginning, I know he's been waiting on that NFL job and, you know, he wants the NFL job, but USC, Bo, is probably better than 
at least a third of the NFL jobs out there. I think USC is one of those four or five jobs in college football, but I think USC, I think Alabama, um, I would put Ohio State up there. Oklahoma. Oklahoma's probably one of them, yeah. Uh, those are probably the four that I think of. That I would go, okay, those are better than a good 10 to 12 NFL jobs. Right. And I, I and USC is one of those jobs. I, I, I would – if Derek Enemy has a chance – and they're willing to let him finish the season with the Chiefs, that's even better. I think the biggest problem is going to be is can he finish the season with the Chiefs? Mm-hmm. He's on a run to make another Super Bowl. I mean, why would you leave? Yeah. Because he'll have, he'll have a shot of an NFL job as well. So then which one do you get? Staying in college football, um, last week was the week of embarrassment, right? Ohio State losing at yes. home. To <laughs> Notre Dame barely beating Toledo. Toledo. Texas A&M struggling with Colorado. Iowa State getting the doors blown off by their arch rivals, Iowa, again. Texas getting embarrassed by Arkansas. Um, And, and of course, USC, you know, getting the crap beat out of them at home by Stanford and ultimately their coach getting fired in the process. Both – I mean, USC might be the obvious answer since they fired their coach. So, besides USC, who made the biggest fool of themselves last week? Ooh, that's a really good question. Let me think here. Um, man, I mean, USC made a, a really big joke of themselves in that game. Um, I got to think it's Iowa State. Iowa State had no teeth at all in that game. They were never I mean, in they just, it. They just never, yeah, I mean, this was supposed to be the time that Iowa State and Iowa, this is supposed to be two top ten teams. If you're Iowa State and you're ascending – this is the game you have to win. And they went out there and laid a damn egg. So I would think it, it, it may not be up and up embarrassing, but it certainly shows that they're not good. They're not as good as we think. They're not as well as good as advertised. Um, you know, Miami almost lost to Appalachian State. Yeah, but I, I've never thought Miami was that great anyway. You know, that's the other one. I mean, Notre Dame didn't play well against Toledo. But I think the the one for me, I, I wouldn't call it embarrassing. But, um, yeah, I think it's Iowa State. But the one I will say that was fun for me, though, was Texas. <laughs> Welcome to the SEC, boys. Welcome to the SEC. We just want it more. You can think all you want, but Texas football is not what Texas football used to be. And, and I will argue, and I will go, this is my hill to die on. Louisiana football is better than, than Texas football at every level. High school, college, and pro. And Texas just shows it. Yeah. Uh, of those losses, the two top ten matchups, uh, Iowa State losing to Iowa, Ohio State losing to Oregon. Are Ohio State and Iowa State, are their playoff hopes shattered at this point? Can either one yeah. recover? Do you expect either one Iowa, to recover? Iowa State has no chance. Ohio State has a chance if nobody else is undefeated except for Bama. You know, if everyone loses and Ohio State runs the table, wins the Big 12 or the Big 10, they win the Big 10. Because that won't be a bad loss. Lo- there, and there's only one zero-loss team, and that's Bama. 
well, then you can argue, well, Ohio State could probably get in based on who they are. Right. That's not a bad loss. No, it, it's not. It's a home game to Oregon, who's now going to be the favorite in the Pac-12. Right. You know, I mean, if Oregon wins the Pac-12, and say Oregon goes undefeated, and all of a sudden number one is Bama and number two is Oregon, you know, are is they are they going to take a, a third SEC school or Ohio State? Right. So I mean, that's I, I think Ohio State can get back in. They're going to have to run the table, and Iowa State's out. You just can't play that bad against your in-state rival and think you have a chance. And they can't come out. Part of it's that conference, too. You know, if they could beat Oklahoma and they beat Oklahoma a second time in a big in a Big 12 championship game, you really still think they're one of the four best teams? Because mm-hmm. you'll go back and say, well, remember they lost that home game to Iowa? Because we know Iowa's going to drop a game somewhere. Right. I mean, who thinks Iowa's going undefeated? Raise your no hand. One. No one. Literally nobody listening raised their hand. If you did, you went to the University of Iowa. Oh, man. A couple more for you real quick. Uh, Looking at week three, Bo, I would make the case that this week is the most important for Cincinnati of anyone out there because this is one of their two Power 5 non-conference matchups. Indiana, decent team as far as we know. Cincinnati favored. They're on the road. Must-win game. I would say that, you know, Cincinnati, if they want any shot of the playoff, uh, th- this week is the most important to anybody in college football is, is that Bearcat team trying to win on the road against Indiana. Yeah, Cincinnati's a team that has to win all of them. Right. I mean, you have to win all of them. And, and they have to win all of them. And they have to hope that Ohio State and Clemson don't look good at the end of the year because a one-loss Clemson or Ohio State jumps Cincinnati. So I agree with your thinking. This is their, their one – they got two games against Power 5 teams. They've got to win – and they've got to look impressive, Bill. Right. The other's Notre Dame, right, that they play against later on. Yeah. In the year. And they've got to put a whoop in the Notre Dame, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other part of it, just looking at that slate of week three, uh, what are you intrigued about? How many points Bama's going to beat Florida by? Um, there's not a lot of great matchups this week. I mean, I we have a couple – we only have a couple of meetings with top 25 teams. I think the biggest thing is to see who gets knocked off. Mm-hmm. You know, someone's going to get knocked off, you know, whether that's, you know, Virginia Tech going to West Virginia, whether that's um, Michigan State going to Miami. I don't know if that's really one. Um, you know, someone's going to get bitten. Up. You know, I don't know who that's going to be, but – you know, I, well, I don't think it's Auburn beating Penn State, but someone's going to get bit bitten, and that to me is kind of how I. That's what you got to look for on these weeks. You know, this is where you have the you know pick a rummy kind of week. Yes, that's what this is for a lot of teams. This is your cupcakes, and you should win these. So, uh, the other one I do want to see, and it's on the SPN three. I probably will glance at it. Is Jackson State versus Louisiana Monroe after what Dion said? Dion wants to go in there and win. He ain't there for collecting checks. No. Dion's got an attitude over there at Jackson State. And And he's like, no, we ain't uh, here to just collect a check. Right. With, uh, you know, the uh, loss that Florida State suffered last week against Jacksonville State, 
Mike Norvell's job is on the line. Dion's name's already coming up. Yeah. I I, I wonder. I, I think he's gonna be I think he's gonna be the Florida State coach at some point. I do. If not now, he will be eventually. Eventually, yes. I mean, it may not be in 2021, 2022, but in the next few years, yeah. I think he's kind of half committed here. I do think from the things I've seen, he's committed to not just making Jackson State better, but to helping all the HBCUs. Yeah. And I think that's really admirable. He's really shown that. You know, people get on Dion, you know, he was prime time. There's a lot of flash and flair to what he did as a player. That guy's a coach at heart. He's a coach at what he does and everything. And he's genuine. People don't believe that sometimes if you just know Dion is the player. But Dion, the coach, is a genuine dude. And yeah, I, I want, I'd like to see him be there a couple of years and see what they can do. I hope he doesn't take this and bounce to a school. I don't think he would bounce anywhere but Florida State, though. We'll see. Uh, remains to be seen. Ball, we There's go. no way Dion would take the USC job, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'd pay to watch that. Oh, I'd watch that every week. <laughs> Ball, we got to run. Appreciate you joining us as you. always. O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com, OAGKS.com is the website. Check him out there. Bo, we will uh, hear from you coming up on Friday with uh, the Point Five show. Should be good. Yeah, just come on. We're going to be on there. We're talking talking about Monday Night Football. We're going to talk about this coming week. We got a little fantasy football talk, and uh, we're just going to go off on a couple of tangents. So if you want to have some fun, uh, you know, we don't take ourselves too seriously on the Point Five Pod on Fridays. So Coach Bo, Coach Bo knows podcast. Download it, read us, review us, give us five stars, please. Get our ratings up, help us out, and uh, we appreciate it. Thank you, Tyler. A couple more things before we wrap up here on the Jones Report. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges, back here with you now. Tom, uh, let's go ahead and start with your weekly picks. We uh, heard from Bo give out his picks just a few minutes ago, so we'll go ahead and uh, go with yours now, starting with uh, the game of the week in college football, Alabama taking on Florida. The Tide, a 15-and-a-half-point favorite. Who do you got there? You know, that's a that's it's gonna be a hell of a matchup. I gotta keep rolling with Alabama. Um I think it's gonna be right at that mark. Obviously that's why the line is what it is, but I, I think Alabama can pull this off. I'll take the tide. Okay. How about Auburn and Penn State? Penn State favored six and a half. You know, I like Auburn to surprise some people here. Um I'll take Auburn with the points for sure. Arizona State, ranked 19th in the land, taking on number 23, BYU. BYU coming off that upset of Utah last week. Arizona State, two-and-a-half-point favorite. You know, I'll take BYU with this one as well. That's that's um, just enough points. I think it could be a super close game. I'll take BYU. The rematch of the 1971 game of the century. We talked about it earlier off the top. We'll break it down more in depth in just a second. Nebraska taking on number three, Oklahoma. The Sooners a 22-point favorite. What do you think, Tom? Is that too many points for the, the Goomers? No, no, I don't think it is. They they uh, seem to, you know, granted it was against Western Carolina. I think they needed that game to, to get things going and on the flow. I, I like them by more than 22. And then the game you're going to be at, Oklahoma State and Boise State, the uh, Pokes are an underdog, four-and-a-half-point underdog on the Smurf turf. You know what? I think Mike Gundy gets his troops rallied. I think they've had enough of the bullshit. Um, you know, I, I think the Oklahoma State defense is going to, you know, 
going to be causing some trouble um, for Boise State. I, I like Oklahoma State in this one. All right, let's move on to the National Football League now. Chiefs and Ravens on Sunday night football. The game is going to be in Baltimore. Chiefs favored two and a half. I like the Chiefs here, too. If the Raiders can get past the Baltimore, we talked about it earlier. Um, I, I, two and a half, I think, I think the line could have been bigger. I'll take Kansas City. Bills and Dolphins, Buffalo favored by three and a half on the road. Uh, you know, I like the Bills to bounce back here. I'll go ahead and take Buffalo. All right. And uh, the Titans taking on the Seahawks. That game in Seattle. Seattle favored by six. I think that's too many points. I I'll, I think Seattle could win by three. Um, I, like I said, too many points for me. I'll take the Titans. Saints and Panthers. New Orleans favored by three on the road. Maybe not enough points. I'll take the Saints. Okay. And then uh, the last NFL game for you, Cowboys and Chargers, the game in Los Angeles, and the Chargers are favored by three. I'll take Dallas. Surprise, surprise. Um, I like how they played last week. Um, Dak looked good. I think he continues to look good. I like Dallas. All right. So there you have it. Those are Thomas's picks this week. He's looking to bounce back. Currently, he's in last place at 7-13 and 13. Uh, in the standings after a three and seven week last week. So onward and upward from here for uh, Mr. Bridges is the hope at that point. Let's go ahead and talk Big 12 football now uh, this week. Uh, man, starting with, let's, let's start with the University of Texas. Uh, after the Longhorns lost last week, you know, we, neither one of us picked Texas week one. We picked Louisiana to come up with the upset in that game. And what do you know, Texas looked great. And, you know, they, they were phenomenal in that game. And Hudson Carr showed some promise at the quarterback position. The defense was really good. And then last week, they go into Fayetteville, and they have quite the SEC awakening against Arkansas as Sam Pittman's team just hit them in the mouth and buried them alive. And now they're going to go – Thompson is their starting quarterback. Uh, it would appear for this game against Rice this weekend. And, you know, Texas, I think it was, it's amazing. We go from having our doubts, week one, okay, now you got my attention. Now it's like, okay, this is the same Texas team we've seen the last 10, 11 years, uh, ever since Mac Brown was gone. They got exposed again. Um, I mean, it's, it's almost comical at this point. It, it's, it is comical at this point to see that happen again to Texas. And, uh, and they might be on the phone with the SEC saying, uh, can, can we rework that contract? Do we have to move over at this point? I mean, that was – it was a wake-up call for what's ahead for Texas uh, there with that loss on Saturday. I don't expect them to have any problems with Rice, but take this Texas team with a grain of salt. They got, they got a lot of work to do, Tom. Yeah, they do, and and you know I wasn't, I was, I wasn't shocked that Arkansas could win that game. I was shocked in the fashion that they did that. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how they bounce back if they do. Um, am am I going to be shocked if they lose to Rice? A little bit, but it would be in Texas fashion to do so. Uh, Iowa State takes on UNLV this week. Iowa State heavy favorites by about 31 and a half on the road as they play at Allegiant Stadium, by the way. Uh, but Iowa State, 
they, they didn't look so hot against Northern Iowa. Then they play Iowa last week and just looked pitiful. They have all these preseason All-Americans on offense with Brees Hall and Charlie Kolar, and the offense was just MIA. I mean, you need to put them on a milk carton. We know Iowa State struggles in September. We know they struggle against Iowa. Matt Campbell's never beaten Iowa. This was his sixth straight loss uh, to the Hawkeyes. I think Iowa State eventually turns it around. You know, we, we know about Brocktober, what they do in the month of October, but Iowa State, any chance you had at the playoffs, you have to win in September to have a chance. Iowa State, their playoff hopes are done. Obviously, the Big 12 season is still in front of them, but this was the expectation. What Iowa State wanted was to take that next step, was to win in September, and ultimately they failed. Yeah, they did, and I, we talked about it last week, Jones, and I told you so if they start off slow, it's not going to look good for them. Well, they didn't really start off fast, um, and offense looked pitiful. Um, you know, I said that Iowa we could very well win this game. They did. Um, you know, that, and, and you mentioned, do they miss the playoff? Uh, unless it'll take some things to happen, you know, for, for Iowa State, they're lucky that Ohio State lost. I don't think it's completely out of the picture, but they're going to have to literally win out, and that's going to be very hard to do. Oh, yeah. Uh, what they put on the road now, if they would have beat Iowa, Tom, they could have split with OU and still had a chance to make the playoff. Now, essentially, you have to beat the Sooners twice along with everyone else in the Big 12. Yeah, and then I, there's no way. Um, and, and that being said, too, I, I mentioned we – we talked about it last week. We could even go back and get the clip. Um, kind of said that this was kind of determining their season, you know, and one way it somewhat did already, but then, you know, how are they going to bounce back from this? Because if they, you know, what type of resiliency are they going to be able to show? Because if it's not good, then this could go very bad for Iowa State. Yeah. If, they, if they're down and out on themselves, then they might not even get to the Big 12 championship game. Maybe not. Uh, Oklahoma, you mentioned decisive win against Western Carolina, um, and uh, you know, Spencer Rattler was great. Got to see some of Caleb Williams, uh, their next quarterback after Rattler and such. No problems there. Now you take on Nebraska, and, um, you know, th this line, I have Oklahoma covering at 22. And for me, Tom, you know, I I've seen a bit of Nebraska living up here now this year. And part of the reason I think OU is going to cover in this game is more so about Nebraska than it is OU. This Nebraska team gets in their own way so much. Adrian Martinez is just a turnover machine. He's a disaster. He's not any better than he was his freshman year. I think Oklahoma is going to lay a pounding on Nebraska and OU is going to look good. They're going to play well. I like what Marvin Mims brings, Kennedy Brooks. I mean, OU is a far superior team when it comes talent-wise. But part of this for me, too, is Nebraska just tends to get in their own way. I think it's going to be both those things of why I like Oklahoma to have a big victory is Nebraska self-inflicted wounds, but Oklahoma taking advantage of them as well. Well, that and I, you know, I think they called their own on this. I think Nebraska did. First off, Scott Frost wanted to back out of the game, right? So they're already doubtful. They they already know they don't have a chance, in my opinion. When you do that, you already, you know, you're you're already counting yourself out. Uh, I think this is one that's already written before it began. Yeah. 
I think you're right about that. Uh, I think it's, it feels like it's over before it starts. It'll be a great game for the uh, all party, the older generations. You know, this game needed to happen. I know Nebraska, you know, Scott Frost and company didn't want it to happen, but this is one that's for the fans, for the older fan base. It's going to be a great day uh, for, for those involved to have this uh, get together and remember the history of Oklahoma and Nebraska. And, and I'll add one more point. When we talk about Oklahoma and Nebraska, one thing that I don't think gets brought up enough, Nebraska thinks of themselves as, you know, this powerhouse football program, the ego, the pride of Nebraska and such. Those national titles in the 90s all didn't happen until Barry Switzer left Oklahoma. The best point of success for Nebraska all happened to occur, occur when OU was down, when Barry Switzer was gone. So Nebraska isn't who they are without Barry Switzer taking a step back. I think we, we tend to forget that or Nebraska fans try to diminish that of some sort. So I always look back and wonder if Barry would have stayed in Oklahoma and would have worked some things out. Nebraska is not who, what we think they are, even uh, with them being down right now, we still don't, I think, of that would have been a good program, but they wouldn't be who they are. They benefited from Oklahoma's uh, lack, lack of success there in the 90s more than anyone. Yeah, you know, they did. And, and you know, you know, championship, championship is still championship, and we can play the what-if game, but you're probably right on that. Um, and so, you know, Nebraska has this very – they have this very pretentious attitude, like, you know, Arkansas can get some time. Well, you know, we're in this. You see, they did back it up this past weekend, but for a long time, they did not back that up. Um, you know, so they, I feel like Nebraska, in a way, is like Arkansas, where they can get this kind of a pretentious attitude of, well, we're, you know, we're in this, my daddy's rich type attitude. And that's, that's how I feel Nebraska is a lot. Yes. Uh, Oklahoma State and Boise State. The Pokes are 2-0, and but a very unimpressive 2-0 and at this point. Barely getting by Tulsa, barely getting by Missouri State. Boise State lost week one to UCF in a thriller that came down to the very end and blew a 21-point lead there. These two teams met a few years back. Oklahoma State won pretty easily. Boise State was favored in that game, too. Uh, but the Pokes still found a way to, uh, to win that one pretty handily. On the road, uh, you know, we, we mentioned, Tom, that Mike Gundy and company, they, they need a wake-up call. Uh, this week of practice, I imagine, that's not a place you want to be. Uh, Mike Gundy has to get this team's attention. Otherwise, uh, they could be in for a long day Saturday. If they play like they did the last two weeks, they will lose. Yeah, and I do think if they lose, I think it's Casey Dunn's gone. So it might be better. Casey Dunn's horrible. He should be gone anyway. He's the worst. Yeah, yeah. Trust me, I would I would put his ass in the dirt. I've already called for we we talk about uh firing the coach. Casey Dunn is on my shit list. Um hell, I'd tell Gavin Lane that. I I mean I think Gavin probably knows it too. Everybody in that whole coaching staff knows it. And some people say, well, it's it's uh, you know, it's it's Gundy calling the plays. No, no, it is not. Um, there's no way. Um, I, there's no way. It's it's it just I would be shocked. I mean, Gundy can leave too. Um, but you know, for what it's worth, this offense has never been this bad since I've been coherent. Um, 
And I know the talent hasn't just dropped off all of a sudden since Bobby Reed. I can tell you that. There's no way. Um, and this this team is capable. Um, but the play calling has been horrendous. The defense is what saves them. I think the defense is going to somewhat save them. Uh, you know, Spencer, Spencer Sanders gets to uh, shake off some rust against Tulsa. He looked a little bit better towards the end of the game, but uh, it should have been it should have been a, a higher score than that against Tulsa. But, uh, you know, for what it's worth, I think OSU will be okay. Gundy's a real uh, – besides OU, Gundy's a good coach and has had success when being an underdog in these types of games. I forget his record on the road as a dog, but it's pretty good uh, considering all things. So I think they'll be okay. Um, Boise's going to be fired up. For sure, uh, they're they're going to come for the throat. I already know it, um, and they want nothing more than to beat a Big Twelve team. So, this, this is one of the biggest games that Boise State's ever hosted in school history. They don't this, get, this is the first Big Twelve team for one they've ever hosted. Yeah, this is a big deal, and uh, it's going to be a prime time under the lights on FS1 Saturday night. This is a sneaky good game. I'm intrigued to see what happens with uh, the folks in. The Broncos coming up on a Saturday night. Elsewhere in the Big 12, number 15, Virginia Tech, traveling to Morgantown, take on West Virginia. Virginia Tech shocked the world week one as they upset Sam Howell and uh, UNC, really humanized them with uh, three picks they forced on Sam Howell there. West Virginia, one one They lost to Maryland week one. West Virginia, three-point favorite at home. Uh, Tom, I think the wrong team's favored here. I, I don't get why Virginia Tech is the underdog traveling to Morgantown. I'd like to see West Virginia win, but I don't see what Vegas is seeing of why West Virginia is the favorite at home here with what Virginia Tech's done through the first two games. Yeah, neither do I. I think it is going to be a good game, um, and and maybe I don't I don't I don't know if it's tech is it a rival? It's not technically a rivalry game. It could be. It is a rivalry. Right. Okay. See, there you go. And maybe they give the benefit of the doubt to the home team, but uh, Morgantown's no easy place to play. Um, so I can, you know, I think I like Virginia Tech probably in this one too. Um, but you know, if they want to give the if they want to give the nod to you know West Virginia, then you know that well, let's see West or Virginia Tech do it again. I think they will. Nevada takes on K-State, that game in Manhattan. And Nevada, you know, they beat Arizona uh, week one. And uh, or now they travel to Manhattan to take on a K-State team that looked red hot against Stanford to start the year. But Skyler Thompson is out for the year after a freak injury last week. He's done. And on the other side for Nevada, they're led by Carson Strong, who has been terrific through two games, six touchdowns, close to 700 yards. Some draft projections have Carson Strong going as high as the number one overall pick in this next draft. Uh, there's a lot of hype around this Nevada quarterback. I'm intrigued to see what he does against a legit defense. K-State has one of the best, if not the best defenses in the Big 12 um, Tom, I don't think losing Skylar Thompson is that big of a deal. I've never been a big Skylar Thompson fan. I think with Will Howard or some of their other options, K-State could be fine at the quarterback position. What concerns me is going up against an NFL talent and Carson Strong. 
uh, there uh, with Nevada. I, I'm not worried about who plays the quarterback for K-State. I'm worried about how they can defend uh, an NFL talent in Carson Strong. Yeah, and they have a pretty good quarterback – or they obviously have a good quarterback. They have a pretty good wide receiver as well from what I've heard. Um, so we'll see if K-State can hang. You know, they, they played well against Stanford. Um, I, I think K-State can – I think K-State can pull this out. I think if Will Howard, uh, you know, manages his turnovers and doesn't just give the ball back to that strong kid, then I, I think K-State can do this. Texas Tech takes on Florida International. Texas Tech uh, won a little closer than they would have liked last week against Stephen F. Austin, 28-22. Nice win the week before against Houston, 38-21. to uh, You know, this Texas Tech team, we didn't have high expectations for entering this year. But you talk about NFL talent, uh, Tyler Schaff, this quarterback for Texas Tech, a transfer from Oregon. Over 400 yards passing. He's got two touchdowns. Um, I'm very excited to see what this guy does. I think he could really light it up on uh, on Saturday, put on a show against FIU. I think he's one of the more underrated talents in this league that we, we don't want to be sleeping on, Tom. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think I think they'll be just fine, and I'm not a believer in FIU either, so I, I, they're in for a big day, I think. Uh, and then the last one, Baylor taking on Kansas. Uh, Baylor's 2-0. and They've looked okay, not great. Uh, you know, Bohannon is uh, you know, through two games. He's got about 400 yards passing, three touchdowns. Kansas, uh, you know, they got the week one win. Last week they uh, looked really bad against Coastal Carolina. Granted, Coastal Carolina is about a top-20 team. Uh, Jason Bean has played well at that quarterback spot. The game is in Lawrence. Baylor's favored by 18. Tom, call me crazy, but uh, I think Kansas can hang. I'm not predicting them to win, but I, I think they can they can keep it close. Maybe I'm overly optimistic, but I think the Jayhawks might be able to, to hang uh, with, with Baylor, go toe-to-toe in this one. You know, I think it's going to be a closer game than what people realize. I think Lance Leopold has done a great job so far. No turnovers for KU. Is that right? Uh, yes. Right. I think they can hang with Baylor. I would I'd be Which shocked. Which was a big problem the last several years with turnovers. Right. I wouldn't be shocked they pull it off. I really wouldn't. I'd still like Baylor, but KU's going to give them a game. I think so. So there you have it. That's your look around the Big 12 conference here on the Jones Support this week. Before we wrap up today's show, it is time for our Tom Fullery story of the week. Tom, where shall we head to this time? John, so we're going to America's Sweetheart, um, and we're not going to necessarily any place, but if I found the place to go for this, I would be on my way. This comes from Outkick.com. Regular Joes rejoice. Jennifer Aniston looking to date non-celebrity. Good news, fellas. Jennifer Aniston's on the market, and she's apparently seeking a normal guy. If that's not enough to inspire you to shower and get your finances in line, Everyone's favorite friend is also making it known that she has no current plans to marry. In other words, you can wine and dine with Aniston on Friday and still spend Saturdays with the boys. So press that old navy shirt for breeze your best jeans and toss a little pomade on any remaining hair. It's go time. Uh, Jones on People, the TV show. Um, Aniston was asked whether she would be interested in dating a non-celeb. Of course, absolutely. I mean, it's happened. That's what I'm sort of hoping for. It's not necessarily somebody in the industry itself. That'd be nice. 
If by chance you're rubbing elbows with Hollywood's elites and feeling confident, Aniston would prefer you ask her out the old-fashioned way, so forget about sliding into any DMs. She said, I'm going to just stick to the normal ways of dating. Having someone ask you out, that's the way I would prefer it. Aniston, 52, was previously married to Hollywood A-listers Brad Pitt and Justin Theroux and seems less than interested another waltz down the aisle. It's not on my radar. I'm interested in finding a fantastic partner and just living an enjoyable life and having fun with one another. It's all we should hope for. It doesn't have to be etched into stone or into legal documents. Even if it hasn't been your day, your week, your month, or even your year, Rachel Green is providing hope for regular Joes still searching for love. Jones? I would go out with the 52-year-old. I don't think I'm good-looking enough for Jennifer Aniston by any means, but who knows? You know, she's around the age of my parents, believe it or not. But I don't care. That's fine with me. Um, now, I'm not good-looking enough for Jen, but, you know, shoot or shoot. Shoot your shot, right? You know, if I got the chance to ask out Jen, I'm not passing up on that opportunity. I would absolutely love to uh, take Jen out to, to have a nice time. Now, I know that I work in TV, but I don't think of myself as any celebrity of some sorts, far from uh, that actually at all. You know, I'm, I'm the common man for the common man. I just happen to work in media. That's all it is. And so, Jen, I could be your average Joe. I would gladly, you know, take you out to eat some cheese fries and have a cold beer. And, you know, we, we can just keep it simple, you know? I mean, it, or if she wants to be fancy and have a nice steak dinner and, and wine and dine, we can do that too. I think that you have to have your options, Tom. Like, I, I figure Jen seems like the, the girl that you would enjoy, uh, that she would enjoy keeping casual or can be fancy, like has, has that nice balance. That's the vibe I get. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, she was on uh, whatever that movie was with Vince Vaughn. I feel like I'm very much a Vince Vaughn type guy. I forget. I forget. What is that movie with Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston? Um, I can't think of it. Let's check. The Jen Aniston Vince Vaughn movie, The Breakup. There you go. Well, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but it's not bad. So there you go. I think maybe she had a stint with Vince Vaughn. Okay. So, you know, there's there's hope out there. I, she says regular guy, but it's a guy with uh, more men, more money than me and you put together, which is all right. But by chance, if she's not, maybe she'll be in uh, Boise, Idaho this weekend. I'll be looking. <laughs> I hear all the celebrities are going from California up to uh, Idaho, anyway. so who knows? There you go. I'll be on the lookout. Have you seen the movie, since we're on Jen Aniston movies, as far as, like, you know, of what we have in mind, have you seen the movie Just Go With It? I have not. Who is in it? Oh, Jennifer Aniston, obviously. Jennifer Aniston, Adam Sandler, and basically... Uh, you know, I'm not trying to give away too many spoilers. I mean, the movie's over 10 years old. If you haven't seen it, that's on you at this point. Um, but Jen Aniston, she she plays, you know, Sandler's uh, right-hand, you know, man. I guess not man, but you know what I mean. She knows everything about him, uh, every, every detail and such. And she cares about him deeply. And they love hanging out and spending time together, and they're just friends. And then they, you know, are, end up with each other at the very end. You know how it all plays out. Ultimately, they realize that 
they were meant to be together the whole time. That's kind of just what I need anyway. I, I, that's what I'm looking for, Tom, somebody that uh, can be my best friend, uh, but, you know, is, is, you know, my companion too. So, so Jim, if, uh, if you want to be who you were and just go with it, uh, that I'll, I'll sign up for that. Please. There you go. So does that mean Jones is on the market? Are you are you looking for love? Hey, you know what? Uh, I, I don't want to say just openly I'm looking for love of sorts, but you know if if uh, if there's some interested suitors, uh, you know, hit me up. Slide in those DMs. Uh, I know Jan doesn't like the DMs being open, but hey, uh, mine are always open to anybody. There you go. Um, <laughs> Jones is open to the DMs, ladies. Are you open to the DMs, Tom? You know what? No, I'm not actually. Uh, you know, I've had my share of of times. I'm I'm living the living the good life, traveling around, and by God, Jones, no one's getting in my way of going to any football games or any other sporting event or any other travel venture I may want. Um, no one, no one's like the new boys, Jones. You ain't gonna tie me down. You know. I, I think that the uh, the time has passed further enough that we can say this uh, without mentioning names. But uh, a few years back, Tom was supposed to go with me to uh, the Daytona 500, and uh, instead he ended up uh, celebrating a now ex-girlfriend's birthday and Valentine's Day, and he missed out on the trip of a lifetime with the boys, and still regrets it to this day. Right? Yeah, it's uh, I do. I do. Um, you know, it is what it is. I don't know the next time I'll get a chance to go to Daytona and, and live that experience. But, you know, you live and learn. I would love to bring Jen to Daytona. Could you imagine Jen at an NASCAR race? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But, you know, she looked like she'd have a good time anywhere she goes. Where would you take Jen if you could take her anywhere? Uh, take her back to my house. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you said anywhere. <laughs> I mean, you did say anywhere. Okay, take her out anywhere, yes. Oh, I don't know. Probably to, I don't know, maybe, hell, I don't know, some nice dinner somewhere. Maybe out to like an arcade bar so I could beat her ass in some arcade games. And then, I don't know, maybe somewhere like Top Golf or, I don't know, I don't know somewhere, something to do. I think, bar, I think she'd have a good time. With time. I think she could have a good time at Eskimo Joe's. I'd hope so. I hope, I hope if you can't have a good time at Joe's, then you can't have a good time anywhere. Oh, if, if a girl can't have a good time at Eskimo Joe's, she's not the one. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Or you know, you know, if you're an OU fan, maybe Joe's isn't the place for you. That's you know, Jones. That's a deal breaker for me, honestly. So if Jennifer Aniston was an OU fan, I couldn't do it. Uh, well, Brad Pitt's an OU fan, so I guess you won't be with Brad. All right. Yep. Couldn't do that either. I mean, it's – I don't know. You know, it, it would be like – is there any teams that are deal breakers for you? I don't think so. You're not a, you're not a huge fandom person, but um, – So a couple years ago, uh, a Warriors fan would have been a deal breaker. Yeah, yeah. But I think the dust is settled enough now. I can, I can be. Yeah, they are. Yeah, but, you know, I can see that. But now it's kind of like, well, okay. 
Now it's all calmed down, but I can see that deal breaker for sure. I mean, uh, like a K State fan, I could be with because uh, there's enough there's enough people that do it anyway that it comes with an expectation of sorts. I could be with a K State, um, but it would be tough to be with a Texas fan. Not saying I can't overcome it, but you know, just the the ego that comes with Texas fans would be would be difficult. It'd be worse if Texas is actually good. Right. Until they're until Texas is back, Texas fans are all still on the on are are open. I'm still open to Texas fans. When Texas finally makes it back, hopefully I'm married with kids at that point, or maybe not married at all. Right. Um I don't, know if, I don't know if Jen has any sports teams she's a fan of though. No, that's true. I, I, I don't know. Now, if she wanted to just sit down and watch reruns of Friends all day, I don't know if I could handle it. Uh, let's see. The, uh, the Google machine is, uh, is not popping up any, any luck. Uh, not, not any uh, specific team she's a fan of. We can work with that. You know, in fact, you know. Make her a Spurs fan. I don't need a woman to be a fan of all my teams. I just need her to enjoy going to games or watching sports with me from time to time. Not even all the time, but just sometimes. Yeah, see, that's fair. You know, I would I would say the same for me as long as that person is okay with me running away for the weekend to go to wherever the game's at. Right. This is the most running. This would be the most away games that I've attended in a long time. But Jen, Saturdays can still be for the boys with Jen, so that works out great. Exactly. See, perfect, Jen. If you're listening to the show, call me. Yeah, call us, or, or we'll call you. We'll find your number. We'll call you since you like to be hit up the old fashioned way. So there you go. No DMs. <laughs> that does it for the Jones Report this week. Uh, big thanks, Shannon Spake, for stopping by and joining us, as well as Coach Bo. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Media Group Studios, or actually not Tyler Jones Media Group, Studio Soapbox. See, that's the first time. <laughs> uh, also, Tyler Jones Live on Facebook, Twitter, Studio underscore Soapbox, uh, Tyler Jones Live on Twitter, uh, Thomas underscore Bridges, Instagram, Jones underscore Report, Tyler Jones Live, Insta Thomas, you can find us there. Subscribe to the show, Apple, Spotify. Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And we will see you right back here next week. Uh, more podcasts on the Studio Soapbox Network. Uh, of course, check out Coach Bo's show uh, out every Monday and Friday. He's got a new show out tomorrow. Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Also out this week with NASCAR Xfinity driver Jace Buford. So uh, a lot of good content. Certainly appreciate it if uh, you check out all the stuff going on on our network. For Thomas Bridges, and our entire crew, I'm Tyler Jones, saying so long. This has been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you next week. Jen, call me.